0: Welcome everyone to January 21st, 1990, in the Legacy Series. That's right, I said 1990 in the Legacy Series. We are now embarking on my favorite decade as a human being on Earth. We are embarking on the decade that for me was childhood, was imagination, was falling in love with professional wrestling, It brought about a world where I really felt like imaginatively I could do anything, be anything, play as anything. I could get lost in so much stuff that was out there. And one of the great factors that drove that again and again and again and again was professional wrestling. But it's not 1990 anymore. It's 2020. And I am looking back from afar And every day is only going to take us further from this decade. And we're also weirdly coming up out of the 80s because we've been at it so long. I am not here to paint you a picture of the 90s. I'm sure there will be shows that trigger my experiences of it. This is not one of them. I am not here to lay out narratives of the 90s. Today, I enter WWF, the Legacy Series, this second stretch with more questions than answers. In my life, I've always kind of viewed this thing as Hulk Hogan dominated the 80s. He passed the torch to the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior was like a second coming, a next thing up out of the whole world of Hulk Hogan. I don't know that I believe that anymore. I really truly believe. That Ms. Van and I and all of you that listen, we experienced something at the peak of WWF that has almost never been matched. That Hogan-Andre era. Yeah, WWF, they had a vision. They had bought out all this talent. The heat, the narratives, the way the stories were told, we are just not there anymore. And the funny thing is, as far as WWF goes, I don't think we're ever going back. I don't think we're ever going to see an era in all of this time that we call where it's just based on this kind of unruly wild, wild west, based on having all the talent, having acquired all of these guys. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the closest thing, oddly, is going to be when their back's against the wall and they're about to go out of business. It's not that We're in a bad time now. We're in 1990. We're kicking off a decade. We got the ultimate warrior on the rise. But I want to ask a question. How in the world did we end up in 1990, a new decade, the last, de- the last decade before the world ends, you know, the computers and all that good stuff? How did we end up with world champions in both promotions who wear face paint? Part of me feels like we went so far deep inside to the narrative, to the storytelling, to the depths of all of that stuff. And we got Hogan and Heenan and Andre and it was deeply rooted and internal and invisible and made out of that precious stuff that makes me pay attention. And then even with Hogan, even with Andre, even with Heenan, we're just not at that level anymore and we can't sustain that. So the next thing up might not be internal. It might not be depth. It might be take the vehicle and put a new color of paint on it. If you're not going back to these great internal struggles, then have the fanciest external appeal that you can have. I'm looking forward to getting into this. I have no idea what Ms. Van is going to think of this show. I have a lot to say. It's a mixed bag of things to say i think the biggest winner might be the royal rumble because i feel like in a way this is the coming out of the royal rumble it's a big stage it's 1990 it is newness 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 let's get to it let's do this thing ladies and gentlemen i am the mystic and i am joined by my friend and co-host by god my learned colleague mr ms fan the brain
1: Greetings, Miss fan fans. Welcome indeed back to WWF The Legacy Series. It is the 1990s. It is the decade that we'll see a match made in heaven and a match made in hell. It is the decade that we'll see a new generation rise up. Childhood dreams come true. New scriptures written with Austin 316. Countries will go to war. Wrestling promotions will go to war. Everything's gonna happen in the 90s we're gonna cover it all it's gonna be amazing but right now we are at 1990 we are still in the midst. Hulk Hogan will tell us Hulk oh, has never been stronger on this night. We will see if that is true or not but there is a lot going on on this show that we are gonna cover for you. I'm very excited and uh, I already tell that we are gonna be able to agree on one thing because yes, as far as the Royal Rumble goes, this is one where you can really see what the Rumble... I mean, you can see what it is right here. You not, It's not even a question of what it's going to become. It already is that. It is tonight the Royal Rumble that we know and love. So I'm very excited about that. It's a lot to talk about on this show for sure. So I'm excited to get right into it, my friend.
0: Yeah, I think you've already hit on something that's somewhere in my notes. Uh I'm not. I'm sure Hogan has always told us <laughs> that Hulkamania is at its peak, but I don't know if it's a lack of being able to show us, or if it's a, the beginning of a nakedness that's not just Hogan but WWF. And I, I'm trying to be clear that this is an era still that many promotions would kill to have. Oh
1: yeah.
0: But let's not pretend like Hogan or WWF is still at that peak. Right is that on. fair?
1: it ain't 87 that's for sure
0: no so i just i just hear him saying that again and again and again and i don't know if that's a like to build his own brand is that a fight against the warrior and wwf is that a reminder but it's starting to uh have a, a bit of nakedness to it in my opinion
1: starting to ring uh, hollow a little bit perhaps a little bit uh, yeah i don't know that's um I feel like it's a very Hulk Hogan strategy, though, to just say something, to make it true, if you possibly yeah. can. So he's always, um, I think we talked before, he seems to be able to kind of manifest the things that he wants to be true. So I can't blame him for trying it, I guess.
0: It's strange to me because I thought like this was a night where there were so many massive ovations The fans were into this. Yeah. But I don't know that they were into Hogan or Warrior any more than a lot of other people
1: i <laughs> it could be confirmation bias but i don't know when the rumble comes i don't know if i'll hear a bigger ovation than dusty Rhodes.
0: yeah i thought jake the snake got a hell of an ovation yeah, yep i thought dusty Rhodes got a hell of an ovation it might be marty Jannetty at the third but someone early on got a hell of an ovation too
1: yeah yeah so true no this was a great crowd i i gotta give them credit um the, the WWF gave them a great rumble. They also served them some crap, and they stayed hot for it. So, you know, they had some endurance in this uh, in this crowd.
0: Oh, we are going to have a hell of a conversation about the matches. Uh, this is Orlando, <laughs> Florida, by the way, uh, for this Royal Rumble. Uh, it's a funny thing because I tried to listen to uh, the Royal Rumble edition of Something to Wrestle last night just to get my mind off the world, and I had to turn it off because uh, – we got three matches to start, and we'll get into these in a few minutes, but I just want to say this. We got the Rujos and the Bushwhackers. Hmm. We got Bruce Beefcake and the Genius. And we got Greg Valentine versus Ronnie Garvin. And there's only one of them that got critiqued by Bruce Pritchard for a lack of logic, and that was the third match.
1: Oh, my God. I I tur- that guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I turned the podcast off. I was in bed trying to sleep and just trying to – and I-, I had to, like, disturb myself just to turn it off because I was like, that's – it's a bridge too far, he, sir.
1: Did he critique his own terrible segment where he did a horrible job? Probably not. So. Until...
0: No, they, that was historical. I actually enjoyed that segment, but that was, uh, but that was that was highly praised by both of them. Oh so. my
1: God, the, the segment it was all right, but oh, I don't know. Brother Love himself continues to just irritate the shit out of me, like. Whether you like that segment or not, I feel like he was the worst part of it. So.
0: I agree with that. Right. I will say, too, that this is why... Check out the award show if you haven't. This is why I praised um, Adrian Adonis so much. Because I feel like if Adrian Adonis stayed, he could have very easily had all the roles that Brother Love had.
1: Sure, yeah. He would have done a lot better, too.
0: Gosh. You know, that, that kind of talk show, that kind of troublemaker, you know. So it's a it's a thing. Um you did such a good job with the intro, talking about all the things that are going to happen in the 90s. Uh, I'm excited for every single era except maybe 1995 um, to come. So what are you thinking right now? Like, where, like, where, How are you placing 1990 with everything we've done and with knowledge of things to come?
1: Oh, man, I can't. It's too early to ask me that. I haven't experienced it. Um, going through it the second time, I haven't experienced those future years. Uh, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be kind of like 89 and that there will be a lot of good stuff, but there will also kind of be signs that things have fallen apart a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's It's a very gradual movement from 87 to mm-hmm. 95. And from one year to the next, it might not change that much, but, you know, it'll change a bit. So I I don't think we'll see anything drastic this year. Not like we'll see from, like, 92 to 93 or something like that. It's probably the biggest, like, shift in years. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. I liked 89 for the most part. You know, there'll be no Zeus. We'll have more Warrior. So, you know, you kind of win some and lose some. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, though.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed 89 and 90, I I think I'll enjoy, I, but I feel like 88 pairs better with 87, and I think 89 is going to pair better with 1990, if that makes sense.
1: I think that's true. Um, it was floated that 89 was a bit of a turning point for the WWF, um, with their popularity, and maybe with the Zeus stuff. I think that's somewhat borne out. I mean, I wouldn't go out and say, like, oh, this is the extreme moment, like, this is it, I got to point to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel that extreme, but I think there's something to that in the uh, the felt sense of it.
0: Yeah, I think we're rounding a gigantic curve, and we all of this eighty nine, mid eighty nine, ninety, it's all a curve in a direction that probably is not as good as where you came from, but it's a long curve, and there's a lot of awesome things happening. It's definitely not a one a one instance. Uh, Zeus did not kill eighty seven, eighty eight momentum, but he right. was a Symptom, I think, of more problems that were there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we've talked about before, where I think uh, they're kind of burning their goodwill at this point a little bit, and I think that's true in this uh, card as well. Because, like I said, the the fans will be hot for pretty much all these matches, but will they be hot next time the company comes to town? I don't know. You know, sometimes it's the long game that gets you.
0: I can't find any conversation about the fact that Sting and the Ultimate Warrior both won the world title in 1990, but I feel like that is a gigantic, missing puzzle piece. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's, it's inconsequential that they both wear face paint, that they both uh, kind of because when we did WCW, the Legacy series, like Sting obviously, you know, has many talents, you know he like, you know, blah blah blah, yes, we know that. But there was this felt sense that they were trying to be more WWF in their move to Sting. They were trying to be more colorful. They were trying to be more, I don't want to say cartoonish or circus, but, you know, trying to be something. Get away from just this gritty art we wrestle here and and give Sting this thing, this push. He's got face paint. He's got spiked hair. It's blonde. He shouts. He's got, like, tassels on his jacket. Uh, and now Ultimate Warrior. And... The more I think about it, there's something about them that needs to be uh, framed. It needs to be understood as not just like you kind of got Warrior came out of Hogan because Hogan put him over and they both got muscles. Sting came out of Ric Flair because Ric Flair put him over and groomed him. But if that's the case, if we're linking them up with Hogan and Flair, we would have to think that they are two of the biggest losers of all time. And I don't think that's fair. But I also don't think that that's what they are. I think that there's something – there's a big blank spot that needs to be filled out around 1990 Sting and the Ultimate Warrior.
1: Well, we're going to get a real close look at Ultimate Warrior, and we've seen Sting, so maybe we can fill in that spot. Um, I don't know. Maybe they are big losers, you know, because neither one of them is going to succeed in their role. So there's some element there that they are losers.
2: I don't know.
0: We're going to have some hard conversations this year because – also I got this little clip on YouTube where I, Jim Ross the, – like the title of it was Jim Ross on why Lex Luger never should have defeated Sting, and I was like, he never did, so what are we talking about? And then I clicked on it, and it's just another fucking lame conversation about the fact – Sting was always the guy, always should have been the guy. Lex Luger never should have been the guy, and that Flair was right to never put the belt on him because he wasn't ready. He didn't care enough. He didn't work. He wasn't a good enough worker, and it should have always been Sting. And so, like I can give you a, like 20 like plot points that make no sense out of what they talk about, but nobody challenges it. So Lex Luger would have failed at carrying the ball if Ric Flair had put him over. Well, guess what? Sting failed. It's on record that Sting failed. Attendance went down. Fans were booing him. He was acting out against the crowd. Sting failed. So, like, how can the argument be Lex Luger would have failed? So you got to put it on Sting, who failed. So there's just all these shields that you can't even get to an honest narrative about this stuff. But I refuse. Like, We got two people who were a tag team going to different promotions, both wearing face paint, being colorful, making an argument at times, especially for Warrior, that he's more music, more tassels, more noise than he is any kind of substance. And Sting can work, he can jump, he can do some things, but if you watch his interviews in the 80s, he also is sometimes lacking substance, big time. So the same way we're going, we're not going to connect Bret Hart, to Hulk Hogan or Yokozuna, even though he came like he came right out of that. He's not going to be – maybe we'll have a conversation and Hogan should have put him over or would have put him over and then he would have been this thing. But right now in history, we separate Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, all smaller guys, new generation, different era. I'm not saying we should do this, but I'm saying we need to at least consider the fact that Ultimate Warrior might be an island of a, less than a year that is not connected to the future or necessarily fully to the past – this thing and Warrior might have just been these things that we tried that kind of failed, but we just never get to that conversation. So it's just thoughts and they're just out there. Folks can do with them what they will.
1: It's a possibility for sure. I think I certainly understand why people connect Ultimate Warrior with Hulk Hogan. Um, it does seem like he is in the same vein. They're not the same, they're not identical. Uh, Warrior is not a, a Hogan clone or anything. But. I don't know, we'll, we'll have to watch the title reign, we'll see what it looks like, we'll see what Warrior looks like, you know, he's surprised us already with his um, appearances, or maybe uh, lack of substance in those appearances, so, perhaps watching it closely will tell us something different.
0: We'll, we'll get there, folks, and I'll just say this and I'll be done with this for now, but if you watch Hogan in the 80s, especially when he's hot, it's coming out of a depth. Now, he's got all these commandments, all this rhetoric, all these ideas is coming out of a smart brain and a depth of character with Heenan, with Andre, with all of these. Ric Flair is the same thing. And it's just it blows my mind because Hulk Hogan is on the record saying he knew the Ultimate Warrior would never get over. And I think anyone with sense knew that the Ultimate Warrior was going to explode. Like there's no way not to know that. Ric Flair is completely opposite where he had to put Sting over because Sting is the future and the best thing ever happened. And by God. I can't put Luger over for two years because I might put Sting over in somewhere in the next five to ten years. So it's completely different narratives. But in my heart, I think that Hulk Hogan. This is a you're not gonna hear this much. I think Hogan is the honest person here. I think Hogan did think The Ultimate Warrior would fail because God knows it's clear. And then I think Ric Flair kind of knew Sting would fail, but you know that's never gonna come out. But anyway. Here we are, it's 1990, it's shiny, the arenas are bright, the Ultimate Warrior is bright, it's a hopeful decade, it's an exciting decade, Uh, WWF is still rolling, and it's one of the hottest crowds I've seen in a while, so we're going to get into it. It's going to be Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura on the call. What do you think, what do you think, Ms. Fan, about that?
1: (laughs) Well, not my favorite commentary team, um, I... I don't know, something about it's, it's so strange, because I watched um, uh, AEW Full Gear last night, so I went right from Tony Schiavone in 2020 to Tony Schiavone in 1990. I jumped 30 years, because I needed to finish this show. So that was a little surreal, and I'll just say again, I said it before, man, I so prefer 2020 Tony Schiavone to this guy. I don't really like this guy in the past, um, but he is with Ventura. They are foreshadowing uh, his future, taping at disney because they're wearing <laughs> disney gear and he also touches on uh that kingdom hearts vibe because he threatens mm. mickey and goofy and uh, i just gotta say he's gotta watch out for that Keyblade. that's awesome about that <laughs>
0: mm. oh man that's awesome it's weird because when i saw them together the first thing i noted is tony cannot be with us much longer and then the second thing i noted is oh shit jesse can't be with us but that's so much longer as well
1: uh, yeah very true very true i think sometime this year he will be departed from us that will be a loss the winner the best uh commentator i believe for uh, our award show
0: yeah and rest in peace to tracy smothers too who passed away uh, while we were on hiatus he was a big part of why i was digging the legacy series around this time during the wcw uh era
1: yeah everybody said it but if you've not ever checked out Southern Boys versus Midnight Express from, uh, I think, Great American Bash 1990. Man, you got to get on that right away. Fire it up on the network. Google it. Do what you got to do. And don't think either that that's the entirety of Tracy Smothers. This is a guy who worked so many different places, reinvented himself over and over. ECW, worked the Indies for so many years, influenced generation after generation. This guy is one of the greats. And you will never hear a bad word about him either. So great person as well. Rest in peace to one of my personal favorites, mm-hmm. Tracy Smothers.
0: Also a favorite of one of your favorites, apparently.
1: Uh, Talking about is, uh, Eddie Kingston, that connection yeah. there—it's crazy. You talk—you you, you would think of Tracy Smothers. It was very surreal because watching Full Gear, he had Excalibur on commentary. Of course, is you know PWG, like the last uh, you know fifteen twenty years maybe of Indies connected to that he had all this stuff to say about tracy smothers Then he had jim ross and tony Schiavone and they had all this like completely different yet also glowing stuff to say about tracy smothers and you just think of how many people and careers this guy touched what a great influence he was you see clips of him working these small indie shows and he has just so much fire and energy for it and he will rile people up and God, just Tracy Smothers, man, I could talk about I could probably do a whole show about Tracy Smothers and how friggin great he is,
0: yeah, man, I love hearing that just just that consistency, and like you said, different stories speak from different experiences. It's hard, man, life is hard, part of the reason we're doing this show is because man, grown up life is hard, and yeah. you know this is an escape for a little while, So when you see someone who was out there, they did their thing, and they influenced people in a positive way, that just needs to be shouted out and so you know, Tracy Smothers, I mean, all we're talking about all these ways WWF was so great, and we almost forget about WCW, but man, that's what we were watching about this time right now. We're about to talk about Arujo's Bushwhackers tag match, so, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's weird to think across that uh, bridge of of time and space and think about WCW right now. So very odd. Yeah.
0: Tag wrestling in the late '80s, early '90s. You got Arn Anderson, Barry Windham. You got Doom. You got the Steiner brothers. You got Sting and Luger. Like it, it is, and that's like the world tag. That's a U.S. tag titles as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. it is happening in WCW right now.
1: Yeah, my enduring memory is of that tag team scene in 1990 and just how incredibly good it was.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so we'll get to a matchup that got high praise on something for Russell. Are to you serious? Is that yeah,
1: crazy? you know, they
0: just go like, oh, every match isn't supposed to be named two wrestlers who are supposed to be great wrestlers. You know, I didn't talk about the fans are into it and the character work and the blah, blah, blah. And forget the fact. They were watching the Ruzos versus the Bushwhackers, where the Bushwhackers will bite you more than they will wrestle you.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I in fairness, yes, the crowd, uh, they seem fairly into this. They seem fairly into everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a good way to judge. But, uh, yeah, Um. I'll just say again, I think the Bushwhackers uh, were robbed of their spot in that pantheon of worst yes. wrestlers. Um. I think they should have been swapped for the honky tonk man, uh, who got a bad, a yeah. bad deal out of the equation. So God, I that's, just don't have any fun watching them.
0: That's in my notes somewhere. They they, they <laughs> absolutely deserve to be in that grouping. Uh, it's just absurd. I'm a if Je- once yesterday Ventura leaves, I'm going to hate bad stuff a lot more because, <laughs> I like, he calls the shitty stuff out as shitty on the air, and that really relieves a lot of my stress and frustration when I'm watching.
2: Boy,
1: (laughs) no, I get you. Um, we'll see what they do afterwards. Bobby Heenan, maybe we'll find a way to soothe you in a different way, but um, yeah. Uh, Ventura says this match is about endurance, which I mean, it was certainly testing my endurance. What a terrible way to come back to enter the 90s is with the fucking bushwhackers. (laughs) I can't even blame the Rouges because I don't like the Brainbusters couldn't get anything out of the Bushwhackers, so it's not their fault. You know, they're just uh, passengers on this train to a bad place.
0: Yeah, I I would have skipped the match, but Jacques had a beard, and I wanted to see if that was going to have any influence <laughs> on the match. Uh, it did not, by the way.
1: Oh man, that beard did trip me out, though. I never saw that. So yeah.
0: Uh, so I mostly pay attention to commentary, so I got a few of those. Uh, Tony says, listen to the response. Jesse Ventura says, I don't understand it, which, you know, pretty much. Uh, Jesse Ventura, knowing that Tony these days, we know some of his uh, his desires and his ways. Uh, Jesse Ventura asks, um, says, you haven't been bit. And Tony pauses and says, not by a bushwhacker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we know he's thinking Uh-oh. about that oven. He's going to fire it up when he gets home, so...
0: And you actually set this up for us earlier. This is a weird question that I had, because Jim Ross is going to come to the WWF. And to me, he's not really going to get over as Jim Ross, partly because he doesn't really fit with some of the ways they announced in the beginning, partly because half the people he's announcing don't like him and don't want him to get over. But it's not until they make him a character in good old JR with the cowboy hat, Mm. and he becomes kind of a different version of himself, that he gets over so we're going to play for just a moment a world where Jim Ross stays in WCW, Tony Schiavone is in the WWF, and the Attitude Era comes, and we get a Tony Schiavone that is gimmicked and more of a personality than what we what we have as a Tony Schiavone announcer. What do you think that looks like, or how do you think that might go?
1: Man, I don't know if I can imagine that. Um, Tony Schiavone, to my knowledge, has never had any kind of gimmick, except... Is, like, obnoxious and self-righteous a gimmick? I don't know. I guess he could have fit in. Uh, I'm now imagining – thank you for this. This is painful. I'm now imagining a world where, like, Tony Schiavone and Michael Cole are, like, struggling for power in the WWF. And that – man, that's, like, a nightmare to me. So thank you for that.
0: (laughs) You know they end up wrestling a match, too, which would be Oh, for
1: God's sake. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is horrible. Okay, so this is some a horrible you're, you're door you've opened up. for me.
0: <laughs> but you're but you're saying that you enjoy him much more in AEW. Is that correct?
1: I I ever since he came back when we watched MLW and he's just kind of continued in that same vein. I like him a lot better now. He's a lot more relaxed. Uh, he's a lot more natural. He reacts like a human instead of a, an alien in a suit that doesn't understand how to communicate in a human way. So that's that's I don't know what the difference is, but uh, if he somehow could have tapped into that, it would have been a different story, but most of his early work, I am just not a fan of.
0: Yeah, I think you would almost have to have Jim Ross and Tony, and Tony would just have to go full pervert and just do the <laughs> Jerry Lawler role. <laughs>
1: <laughs> could he? I don't even know. I can't I get into I don't know that.
0: why I thought of this, but it was just a question that I had.
1: Disturbing question. My
2: gosh.
0: I think it's because just like with Jim Ross... Like, Tony, they, 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 in the WWF role, you can tell, like, it's almost like you can tell they're being scripted or being, like, you know, I don't know.
2: yelling in their ear. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I just, cause Jim Ross, Jim Ross is a fascinating thing. Maybe I'll, I'll see it differently as an adult, but I loved him as a child in WCW and then WWF, like, I would cringe because you know, he'd be trying to act like Bobby Heenan and Macho Man at times. And sometimes they would be no selling and it wouldn't work. And it would just, <laughs> you know, so we'll see, but you know, we forget almost, I think that there was a Jim Ross that was completely different than this cowboy hat wearing Jim Ross, J R, you know, mm-hmm. the announced for many, many decades before he hit that attitude era stride.
1: Oh, that, that's very true. Um, for, for a while, in 93, he and Bobby Heenan are calling a wrestling challenge every week, which is an interesting pairing that I thought was actually not bad, though it's no Monsoon and Heenan, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to take a look at him. Did you know he got fired for a little while from WWF?
0: Yeah, he, he's been fired from WWF so many times.
1: Yeah, uh, true, true. But I, I always thought of his, like, he came to WWF, and he just, like, that was his career. But he actually oh, no. was fired, like, in the 90s for a while, and then they brought him back. So that's uh, yeah. that was new to me a while ago. I found that out.
0: It was not a smooth uh, transition
1: Ooh, at no. all.
0: And I, I, we forget that. And I think part of it might be now that you said that Heenan. like, I haven't really heard a lot of his stuff with Heenan but I think Jim Ross might – one thing Tony might be better than Jim Ross at is, like, doing the three-man booth.
1: You say Jim Ross is better at that than Tony? No, I think
0: Tony might be better than Jim Ross.
1: I think you're probably right about that. I don't know. Like, I don't want to say Tony, like, his WWE stuff is all bad or anything. Like, he has his moments um, – it's funny. In my I have formed such a bad opinion of him on the pay-per-views, but watching through kind of, like – the 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 lower down you go on the hierarchy the better he gets so like he's a little bit better on nitro than he is on on uh pay-per-view he's a little bit better Mm -hmm. on worldwide than he is on (laughs) nitro so i I don't know if it's just that question of like is he relaxed or what but like the farther down you go the better he gets so i I don't know what it is exactly
0: Yeah, it's strange. And I do think we see this one differently. I think Tony's work in WWF has been some of his better stuff. I don't know his new stuff. Uh, I know, like you said, I'm probably most familiar with his Nitro stuff and pay-per-view stuff, but I do. I I thought a lot of WCW announcers were better on some of those weekend shows because they relaxed and acted like human beings a little bit.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's definitely been my impression.
0: So, we have also lived long enough Ms. fantasy Um Danny Davis will be critiqued in this matchup for showing favorability to the baby faces.
1: (laughs) Yes. There's a big clue that we're not in 1987 anymore. Um, Yeah. Um, I like that. We're talking about anything except this match, which is fair. I think Um, what is this match is like 15 minutes long. And I think Bruce Pritchard or whoever. okayed That should probably just be taken out and shot because that's just (laughs) cruel cruel to me to you to all fans trying to go back and watch this show so this is uh i texted you this already as maybe vince mcmahon hated tag team wrestling because he saw this match and he was like there you go tag team wrestling is horrible he <laughs> saw don't this match you would he have to conclude that
0: they don't wrestle all they do is bite they bite the referee they bite the wrestlers and if you have any bit of sense you know that if that's all they're going to do that jacques and Raymond, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to beat them because they are actually wrestlers. But yet, you have to watch them not know how to wrestle and it be glorified, and yet somehow they're also gonna win. And it's just it's about ten stretches beyond where I'm willing to go. And so, I if you're gonna watch the whole show, just look at anything other than the ring while uh, some <laughs> these first two matches go on.
1: Uh yes, these first two matches are both very bad. Um, all right, that's more than enough time on this the The bushwhackers molest Jimmy Hart, whose only crime was trying to end this match. Fortunately, it ends anyway, and the bushwhackers win, of course they do. Let's move on.
0: I can't believe they didn't take his clothes off That's the only thing I, that shocked me i
1: I really thought his pants were going again, yeah but they they did not go. They could not bite his pants off, so
0: <laughs> so we go from the bushwhackers uh to. Uh, some more serious business, and we actually get history and continuity, and it's amazing. Gene Oakland is with Ted DiBiase and Virgil, and they're talking about the fact that Ted DiBiase tried to – I actually didn't try. He actually bought, purchased a better number last year, and now they have put in security. They have put in other measures. It's not going to happen, and we're seeing, I think, some foreshadowing of things to come because Ted DiBiase got a number that he's not happy about. But he's not the one that drew it, and he is not happy with the person who did.
1: Absolutely. That person, of course, is Virgil, and uh, Ted gives him the blame. He even pushes him a little bit. And you know, as soon as uh, a manager or a heel, as soon as they start getting physical with Mm. one another, like the clock is ticking at that point. So uh, some seeds are being planted here. I'm very excited to talk about that feud as we get into it although yeah, at, yeah. i think yeah. that's not till next year even so like they built this up for a long time you gotta respect that
0: yeah i love the slow build i love the tension that's always there and you don't fully know when it's gonna pop off but you know that it will and dibiase if this man has one legacy in this character he he destroys everything around him to his own demise but he he is a very self-destructive character
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've talked many times about how he is more interested in uh, um, displaying and exerting his power than he is in actually succeeding in life. Um, And we will see that play out again and again, I think. But uh, Ted is very fired up here. He says he'll be the first and last man in the ring. Uh, It's a very good promo. I was very pleased by this scene, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a night for DiBiase, as we will see.
0: Yeah, I like the seriousness of his tone, because again, the Royal Rumble has not been that big of a deal, and it still is not connected to some like easy, obvious prize, but Ted DiBiase comes on the screen treating it like the Royal Rumble that we've come to know.
1: Yeah, he sets the tone that others will follow tonight, Um this is I've, I've been looking forward to this Rumble match, to rewatching it, because I remembered it very fondly, and it really bore out that this is the Rumble where you feel kind of like the importance of it. You feel the weight of this match, even before, like you said, like there's nothing at stake except pride, and yet they really put it over as a big deal, and it, it comes across very well, I think.
0: Yeah, I think one of the greatest compliments I can give this Royal Rumble is, I think, maybe one of the greatest wrestling experiences that many of us has ever had is watching the 1992 royal rumble Mm -hmm. uh with flair with bobby heenan we'll get to that soon i don't think you could have that kind of rumble without first having this rumble
1: yeah no i agree um this rumble the next one and then 92 like it's gonna be it's gonna be a great run of these early rumbles which are just stacked with star power and just um there's gonna be a lot of great stuff to talk about and
0: Absolutely. So we'll go to what's next, which is Brutus the Barber Beefcake going one-on-one with the genius.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I have a question for you. I will pose you now a, a difficult devil's bargain that you can either make or not make. Um, say, say you had a, a lever that appeared in your apartment and mm. a note that said if you pull this lever, you can drop these first two matches into the pit and nobody involved in these matches would have ever existed at all. Would you do it?
0: What's supposed to be difficult about this question? <laughs> <laughs> is Jacques? Is Jacques is that what's it's Jacques,
1: different? basically. I guess. Yeah. yeah. When you look at that, so.
0: Oh, man, so the boss man loses the Mountie is, is is to me is the con. That's my, that's what my cons list is. <laughs> And then if we got on my pros list, I, I would pull the lever. I would, apo- I would apologize to uh, Jacques as, as he's falling from existence. <laughs> but, man, I, I'd pull that lever in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, uh, all right. Um, I'm not sure I would not follow you. I'll try to think of a more nefarious bargain to make next time. So
0: Here's the only – it'll make it a little more difficult. So if I pull that lever, are we still going to have Brutus the Barber genius and Bushwhackers just with other people as the characters? <laughs>
1: That's a good question. Are these gimmicks inevitable? I'm not sure. Um, okay. So, it. am I killing
0: gimmicks? or like it's sad, but people can go work jobs, like honest jobs, and the, if I can send the gimmicks to hell, then uh, then the ruchos are going with them, and they're all going. You know, <laughs> so
1: a good clarification. I like
0: it. Because I fear, like, that's the first thing that popped in my mind after I said it, is Vince would just, like, you you gotta have these gimmicks. We're not gonna not have a gimmick where two men come out and lick children in the front row, so, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if he turns around and hands it to Arn and Tully, then it's not exactly a good uh, bargain that you made.
0: (laughs) Oh man, this is tough. Beefcake, like, you have won me over more and more, because Beefcake was never my number one. He's been in my top three, top five, but man, he he, got It's time to stop it's time to go for Brutus Beefcake.
1: Oh, the more you watch him, the worse he gets, honestly. So, is this another one that Bruce Pritchard just praised and thought yep, was so yep, great? Yep. What the, what, what is the
2: Same like thing about as the other one. <laughs> well, it's
0: not supposed to be uh, Blank versus Blank. It's just, uh, they, you know, they characters and they're, they're doing their role and the fans are into it and blah, blah, blah. Mm. You uh. know. This is what they like. This is the if you if you defend WWF, it's Conrad too. Fucking Conrad, I think was trying to say that the crowd died in the third match, which did not happen. No. Uh, and he, had, I swear to God, when I first started watching, the gimmick was that Bruce Prichard was gonna be the WWF guy and Conrad was the NWA and WCW guy. And if that's the case, I have never seen a more embarrassing uh, testimony of WCW NWA fandom because <laughs> it's not other than the I defending Ric Flair because that's the whole gravy train that got him there. Like, there's none. And so yeah. you can't knock – you can't watch these three matches and have detrimental things to say about Valentine and Ronnie Garvin and be the WCW-NWA guy.
1: Yeah, I always thought Conrad's gimmick was guy who was happy to have all these podcasts as yeah. a side hustle. So, it's you know, it is what it is. Um, man, I don't, this match, it sucks, it's so bad, it's all, like, all they do is just, like, Lanny Poffo prances around like he's, uh, gay or something, and that's supposed to be bad, and then Brutus Briefcake prances around to, like, make fun of him, and that's, that's it, you've seen the match, I've I've just explained it to you, you don't have to watch it now, because I told you the whole thing.
0: The genius is far more insulting than, a lot of gimmicks and I don't hear that much about it, but there's nobody I've never met anyone who behaves like the genius behaves, you know, is a like an awful stereotype? It's over the top and it's like watching the free birds. He's about like free bird level. Like it's just insulting to people on his face. And like I hit the arrow button so many times. And I didn't realize if you just hit the arrow button time and time again, you see the match and you don't see the match at the same time. So that's a tip out for folks that have to get through some of this shit.
1: Pro tip. Very nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) I also noted for all of those who think the stupid gimmicks began in 93 or 94, I got news for
1: you. Oh my God. Yeah. Not even close. It's, (sighs) I never really disliked the genius to be honest, because the idea of like a snooty intellectual who reads poems is fine, but then I don't know why he has to be like so effeminate and just like you said, not acting like any human could ever act. Um, you know, if it was just like, the first part, I
0: think it'd be great. And that's what Bruce Prichard right. praised, is that you could get you could let the genius be beat every night, and then he just has to come out and read a poem, and he's got heat again, and you can put him with somebody else. Right. But like, yeah. I have nothing against the gimmick. I have a, something against that flagrant behavior that is supposed to stand for something, I guess. But it's just like – it's just a, a man just like – I don't even know what he's supposed to be doing, but it's not – not just something i see human beings do and it you know you can be a poet and a snob and i think he would be less flagrant it's like the meager poems would be big and then you'd be more of a coward in the ring but he's yeah like you know it just it doesn't work for me that's all
1: that's a great point it's, he's not cowardly at all he's mm. just like I, I don't know like he thinks his prancing and stretching will be like a great path to victory for him i don't know it makes no sense i don't understand the way the character was executed i don't understand why he gets so much ring time because he feels like more of a manager but he is wrestling hogan and beefcake and just having these awful matches and it sucks because i like lanny Poffo back when he was like low level guy on the wwf i would get happy every time he showed up on like a house show or like on tv because he would be doing things that others weren't like he could flip around and do like athletic things in a different way and then they gave him this and just these matches are terrible so it's it's bad it's really bad
0: and this is the double-edged uh sword this is the you know two sides of the coin because i feel like wwf would just like tell people like us to fuck off because like (laughs) oh we're we're making a lot of money and we're sports entertainment you're trying to like break down the wrestling and the blah 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 and in a way, that's true. Like they part of what made them so successful is they could just figure out what got a popping, what got heat and just like turn it up and put it in front of you. But at the same time, I think a big part that took us from 87, 88 quality down the slope that keeps going downward is the fact that it became more and more of that and less and less of the substance that was that was there in the beginning mm-hmm. that really made it work. And then they were just like, oh, well, here's the extra, and the extra is what made it work. But no, there was a deep, deep foundation in that 87, 88 stuff, and now we're just getting this kind of surface stuff. Mm.
1: Absolutely, and it's so selective as well. You can't just say like, oh, well, we went with whatever the crowd popped Mm. for because I've seen crowds go nuts for Tito Santana, uh, Greg Valentine, and Ronnie Garvin. They will get a very good reaction in my opinion. I, I did not see the crowd die at all in that match, but stuff like that will still be just like shoot aside. Um so yeah, it's not as simple as that. And again, I'll just keep saying it. I think you are burning goodwill by Mm -hmm. the shovelful. Because yeah, guess what? People like the WWF so much right now, and especially in this town, they're gonna pop for anything. Um, but they won't pop forever, you know? So it's not it's not that simple. You can't just say, oh well, Whoever gets pops, you know that that's that's what we're gonna go with. It's just yeah. uh, not the way it works.
0: Yeah, I love that goodwill thing because it's so easy to burn away goodwill and think there's no consequences because it never seemingly is. You gotta you gotta step back and look at the big picture, and they will figure it out eventually. And their goodwill when they need goodwill because the world is gonna hit them hard in a couple of years and they could use some goodwill. But man, they, they spent a good good amount of time burning that away so.
1: It's it's an injustice of the world, and this is just the way the world works in wrestling and in almost everything. That the really the the best thing you do will mm. not be the thing that like gets the most popularity, has the most money. It will be the next thing that gets everybody's eyes on. So if your next thing is not as good as that first thing you did, it's not going to be the same. And that's that's eighty seven to nineteen ninety, perhaps. I was mm. just looking unrelated. Um, everybody remembers the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. If you're mm-hmm. like me, you'll love the first one. and then when you look at the box office, the second one made like so much more money than the first one. And guess what? It sucked, and after that, the movie's never made money like that again. So you can't just coast on the one great thing you did. if your follow up is not good enough, it'll make a lot of money on the strength of your original thing but people aren't going to stay forever. They're going to go away again.
0: Yeah. Look at the early two thousand Spider-Man trilogy.
1: There you go. There you go. You know, I'm sure and Spider-Man three made a lot of money on the strength of, of the one before it, but yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't good. So that, that was it. That was the end.
0: And you want to support it. That's the thing though, that it ends up breaking it is because eventually you realize I care more about this and making this right and keeping this right than the people who are doing it and they don't really care about me and they don't care about putting it into work and so you know it's a, it's amazing how far you can stretch fandom but even fandom can break as well
1: mm. yeah no nope, that's a great point and that's something that's very true to me cuz I'm very loyal to stuff that has caught my eye I will try to stick with it very hard but if you break me then i will never be like i will go to war on that thing <laughs> i i will preach to anyone who will listen about how it got bad so um so yeah there you go
0: okay so a bunch of stupid shit happens i want to get to the most pleasantly surprising thing in the in the late 80s early 90s might be mr perfect
1: oh yeah isn't he great like so good. He's
0: a, he's, a, he's got an attitude. Like you don't see many hills carry themselves like he does. He just comes down and puts shit right. Uh, anytime he feels like it.
1: <laughs> he really does. So we get we get a rough bump, and then Beefcake puts Lanny Poffo to sleep, mm-hmm. and then he just like humps the rope. I don't know why he's he's a weird man. Um, yeah, but he's gonna cut Lanny Papo's hair because he doesn't give a single shit about winning the match. He just wants to get off on his fetish. Mm-hmm. We know this. Um, So he cuts some hair, and then Mr. Perfect shows up, understandably disgusted, and he beats up Brutus Beefcake, and all I can think of is there's a fucking scissors in there while you guys are trying to bump around, and it wasn't Mm. the quote-unquote bad guy that brought the scissors, these two knives, in the ring, Mm. so I guess there's a DQ, and that puts us out of our misery for this match.
0: Absolutely, and Perfect will have some things to say later on, but man... He is making his mark in this company right now. He might be the top heel in the promotion at this time.
1: He's, yeah, he's the one uh, feuding with Hogan most directly. We will see that play out before WrestleMania, unfortunately. There was definitely a time where I thought, just like, yeah, do Hogan Imperfect at WrestleMania instead. But I, I don't know if that would have uh, drawn the same way. But it would have drawn my attention more. So that's that's something selfish, perhaps, that I would have wished for.
0: Yeah, he's up there with Rick Rude I think, right now, weirdly. Because yeah. I don't think Andre, Andre's a tag wrestler now. I think Rude and Perfect are, uh, this is partly why we're seeing maybe, oh, Savage, but Savage is, you know, we for for the good of everybody, we're keeping hugging and Savage apart, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, Savage, DiBiase, Rude, Perfect, they're all kind of in that very upper tier. I don't know if we have one that sticks out so far above the rest like we have before. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we we got a strong collection of of top heels here. We're going to see that play out in the Rumble as well.
0: Absolutely. We're also going to see it play out now because we got Bobby Heenan, Andre Haku, um, Rick Rude, and Sean Mooney. I've never said this before, but I think Sean Mooney is going to out Mean Gene Mean Gene (laughs) in this one.
1: He has definitely uh, gone to the Gene Okerlund school of stirring the pot because uh, he, he manipulates this uh, interview, this conversation, until the, the Heenan family is all arguing with each other. Even Andre, that man that yeah. we know, loves the family, but uh, he, he was triggered as well by Sean Mooney. You, get, you even got Haku speaking in English again, and that's how you yes. know it's serious. So, my God.
0: It's beautiful uh, to me because it starts with Bobby Heenan rebuking saying it's "Not every man for himself; it's every family for himself." And boy, it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not by the end of this, but man, where was this kind of pot stirring when the mega powers were around? You know, mm. they pick and choose who they want to try to break up in these interviews, so it's not, it's not uh, above board. You know, it's it's playing favorites for sure.
0: But well, we were told from Vince McMahon not to believe anything that our eyes saw or our ears heard when it came to the Mega Powers weren't even having problems till they were wrestling at WrestleMania and <laughs> Vince McMahon. He had to be <laughs> shocked when he got to WrestleMania 5.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, So, yes, it's a babyface privilege to create problems where there were none and to ignore problems where there are some, you know, depending on who is having the problems or not.
0: Absolutely. I love that promo. Check that out and definitely check out the matchup that follows because I feel weird because I was going to come on this show saying that we have the first matchup to add to our uh, match of the era list uh, when it comes to Greg Valentine and Ronnie Garvin in an I quit matchup.
1: Oh man, I've been looking forward to this. I feel like it's been built up in a low key way for a really long time. We had the whole saga where Ronnie Garvin was a referee And then he was, like, some other weird role he had for a while, and he would mess with Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine forced him to retire with shenanigans. We got all this stuff going on. This feud had a lot of bells and whistles, because even now Ron Garvin comes in wearing uh, a shin guard or a brace, they call it, uh, just like Valentine does. And he's even got a special name for it, and it's going to have a unique psychology to it. Mm -hmm. Man, like... These dudes could have just come in the ring with no story and just pounded the shit out of each other, and I would have been happy. But they also put all this other stuff into it. This is a great match. I love this match. I'm very excited to get into it further.
0: Yeah, there are so many glorious things. There is a gun, and it does go off in this matchup, and that is with those (laughs) braces. So we got that story underneath it. But besides that... Number one, I love the match. Just because it's a, a submission match, you don't have to start going for submissions immediately. These two, this is a stiff match that embarrasses the brawl for all. This is, <laughs> they, are, they are laying it in in this matchup, and it is wonderful to watch.
1: Oh, it's glorious. This match got lost on its way from the NWA or something, because uh, they went out and they did something totally different to the style of most of the matches you will see around this time in the WWF. Um, oh man, I could live in the moment early on. These two are just circling around. Their fists are raised. They mm. look like they're in a different promotion and um, you know, I, I love it. It's great stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't know how they got on the show, but man, <laughs> I, I love it. I said that this is uh, two stumps of a tree. They can't be moved and they can't be cut down.
2: Yes.
1: Ron Garvin, that, that, fire hydrant of a person, mm. um, you know, in, ter- in shape and in a uh, hardness. I think both is out there just punching Valentine in the face. Valentine is so great. Um, Owen Hart fair and square won the most underutilized award for, um, for before, but Valentine has got to be top ballot. Cause he's mm. so good so much. And he often does not get a chance to show it. And he did show it here. He's as good as he ever was. Love Greg Valentine.
0: I think it's hard for him to win it because they use him so much, but never close to his capabilities. So you see him and you start thinking like, ah, well, you know, like I know what he does, but he's kind of limited. Like he, this is where he's at. This is the box he lives in. But any time he, he gets kicks out of that box, man, he is a, he is a wild, wild man <laughs> doing <laughs> wild things.
1: I, he's just a wrestler who really appeals to me, the way he hits, the way he moves, the way he sells. Right. It's all very much. Uh, in my vein in, uh, you know, up my street, whatever you want to say. I feel like he is also not appreciated as much cause he is not necessarily like a Shawn Michaels type or a Bret Hart type. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have maybe yeah. that same conditioning, that same athleticism, the way he moves is different, but man, honestly, I would take a guy like Greg Valentine over some of those other types of wrestlers, which are maybe more popular with the smarks as they say. <laughs> I think
0: part of what makes him is how strange he looks, you know, because like it's hard to frame him because his cardio, he's like he's got good cardio, he can wrestle a long match, absolutely. But you know, he is like he, like I said, it's a fucking stump of a tree. Like you cannot, <laughs> you can't move these guys if they don't want to be moved. So you got this brawling, you got the chops, you got the submission wrestling, you got kind of the charismatic style, but also the rugged style. That might be a good and bad thing because it sucks for people. I think, who don't easily fit boxes but can be a lot of different things. I think people would rather be like, well, choose one or the other because you're making me dizzy.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, you may be right. Um, A lot of reasons that you come up with Greg Valentine not appreciated the way he ought to be. Um, But a reason to appreciate this, guys, is uh, the way... Man, the way they sell in this match, we've talked about the offense, but the selling as well, like, these guys will get woozy, you know, they will fall over, they will sell the shots to the head, they will sell, you know, if they're bo- if a body part gets hurt, um, you know, it's just this match is so smart, and I cannot imagine that you would watch the first three matches of this card and this is the one that you would not be high on. Like, I can't understand that remotely.
0: Do you want me to tell you why? Because it's worse than not being able to understand it.
1: Ah, tell me. Sure. Okay,
0: so the first two matches were perfect in what the, you know, as far <laughs> as what matches can be. This matchup, they wrote, they tried to pin each other too many times, so, you know, <laughs> it's a submission matchup. Wait for the quote, Ms. Fan. It's a submission matchup. If they had tried one or two times, that would have worked, but when they did it more times, it lacked logic and took me out of the match. <sighs>
1: I might have guessed. Uh, (laughs) I'll admit even that uh, it is odd. They go for for more pins than you would expect in this match. But you know what? If people keep driving trucks into your head, then maybe you will also forget. I thought they put it on Jesse Ventura said on commentary, it's very hard to break that uh, instinct. I thought uh, it was explained perfectly well. If you can have a match this good, be broken just on that then then we're different kinds of wrestling fans i guess
0: yeah it also means that if you're looking for logic watch the first two matches (laughs) which is just insulting to anyone who can think for themselves
1: oh my god yes jesus what the hell that's i can't even talk about that
0: yeah it got turned off so you know and also here's another thing if you think a, a layer deeper i know it's hard to do these guys are not out there wrestling like Jake Roberts and Arna Anderson. Like, this is not strategy. At one point, it stops being a wrestling match and straight turns into a boxing match. Yeah.
1: You yeah. know,
0: so if you, if you are working like that, then you are bound to go for pins more often because you're. this is not planned out. These two are just going for it, and they are letting loose, and they are in the moment, and they are blowing off a few days over a year long. There ain't no telling what they might do in the moment. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah great point these are different kinds of wrestlers um uh, it's a great match it's wonderful i hope everyone watches it and judges for themselves because this is one i think you don't want to miss
0: i think i might be making this up but at one point when they were kind of just like straight boxing did vader run out and join them and start (laughs) punching them too
1: i have the words an ode to vader in this match I in my it. notes so that that's beautiful i love that man i got that vibe very strongly here
0: i saw him he's wearing like a sweatshirt though like he's wearing kind of i think he wore it before it wasn't ring gear might have been under it. i couldn't remember now but this is a weird thing i think it came out of the the uh white castle of fear just to be there
1: <laughs> i might have seen that uh, mastodon helmet <laughs> bobbing around the crowd perhaps so i i get it and
0: God, this is a beautiful match, folks. Watch the matchup. Uh, it's just... Um, I don't know. I don't know what you want. If this doesn't do it for you, like these two guys... It's so smart. It's so fun. Like I said, you got all this action before they even get to submissions, but then you also got this whole theme where the figure four no longer works. Imagine being Greg Valentine in a submission match with a rival of over a year and... And you only find out in real time that the figure four doesn't work anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a great moment. Um, the, Garvin's leg brace protects him from the effects of that figure four, which allows Garvin just to kind of mock Valentine when he tries to put it on. And he mocks him less, and Valentine lets it go and starts chopping the piss out of him. So again, this mm. match, uh, it delivers one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I, awesome. said, I love how much they know Uh, They know who they are, what they are, and what this is about.
1: Mm, Absolutely so. At one point I was wondering, can you tap out just from being, like, punched so hard that you have to quit? Because I I thought it could have happened a few times in here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think many people could and should. I don't think they would.
1: I don't think they ever would. I agree. I would happily do so. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No kidding, man. (laughs) I'd like to. The Jimmy
0: Hart... Who takes off there? Does Greg Valentine take off his brace first, or does...
1: I think they strip the brace off Garvin first. Okay. Um, But, yes, both men lose their braces in the end, so they have to fight braceless in the uh, final moments of this match.
0: Yeah, and it's wonderful because Garvin ends up going after Jimmy Hart, but he ends up using the brace. And this brace, man, like how many shows have we watched where Gorilla Monsoon is complaining about the advantage that Greg Valentine has because of that brace?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: But he, he's going to get the brace to the head in this one, and then we're going to get a sharpshooter, and it's just going to be too much. And this man, Greg, uh, Ronnie Garvin, is going to overcome his great rival, Greg Valentine, and win a matchup that is most interesting. Of all the interesting things, it's most interesting that it happened on the WWF pay-per-view.
1: <laughs> and just a, a great match flat out. So do watch this, please. Um, I need more validation now under the onslaught of Bruce Pritchard to uh, to confirm that this is a great match. So please tell me everything you liked about this match. If you agree with Bruce Pritchard, I don't know why you're listening to this show, but we're glad to have you. We don't understand you, so I guess uh, welcome.
0: I'll try to raise the controversy just a little bit more. Uh, tell me um, – do tell me that this matchup sucks. But Steve Austin and Bret Hart, like, is the greatest thing that ever happened.
1: (laughs) I got some vibe of that, honestly. So, yeah, I'm with you.
0: That's where that – matches like that can't come out of matches like this.
1: Right, 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 So don't
0: tell me that's the greatest matchup of all time. And I'm a fan of that match, but don't tell me that and then shit on this matchup because, yeah, it's just not logical. It's not logical like this matchup where they, you know, tried to pin each other a few times. But putting a man to sleep in the middle of the ring and cutting his hair while a match goes, yeah. Logical, biting the referee who should have disqualified you. Logical. Let's not get let's go. <sighs> Gene Okerlund is with Mister Perfect, and guess what? Mister Perfect agrees with um, Ms. Fan because uh, he will say that um,
1: he will say he that Bruce, that B. K. <laughs> Bruce shouldn't take advantage of unconscious people. Yes, um,
0: you put someone to sleep and take advantage of them.
1: That's not a controversial or heelish thing to say, my friends. <laughs> Please be aware. Oh, my gosh.
0: He shuts him down. Like, this is why Mr. Perfect right now in this moment is one of the most clear-eyed rustlers I have ever seen. Mm
1: -mm. Yes. And he stands up well to Gene Okerlund's uh, scolding and shaming. And Mm. uh, he is so mad about Mr. Perfect running down there. And yet, where is this rage when Bruce Beefcake brings a scissors into the ring? Yep. It's nowhere to be seen, so this, this, my friends, is what we call babyface privilege.
0: Yeah, this is on the same night that uh, Tony Schiavone will make a case that uh uh should not have a nightstick at ringside, and Jesse will be like, what about the two-by-four? And, and Tony will say, well, that's his trademark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know, this reminds me, um, I remember a time not long ago when Gene Okerlund, Stood in the back and uh, yelled at Randy Savage for not going out to help Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And now, guess what? Mr. Perfect just went out to help his friend um, when he was being attacked with his scissors. And Gene Okerlund, now he's mad about that. So you, you can't have it both ways, Mean Gene. Mm-hmm. You and you and Sean Mooney, you're just out here to cause trouble. We know you. We see you.
0: Beefcake has now brought it to both the main event guys in SummerSlam in 89. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah you're right
0: he is not having it and it's all righteous indignation that's rude i don't know if it's a minnesota thing but you know they're both to me a very like quick tempered but oftentimes there's there's a reason within that
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah, rick root mr perfect i feel that connection for sure i i like him differently in the ring but they have some uh connection some vibe that is similar and i i'm, I'm into that and,
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a lot of good stuff. So you get fooled. Ms. fan, you know, kind of mentioned to me that this is a great way to come into the 90s because it's like a snapshot because you got so many people on the Royal Rumble. But man, if you quit after two matches, you would really be fooled because this is an amazing time with an amazing amount of talent doing some amazing things. But man, you know, you got to push through a little bit to get there.
1: Yeah, if you ignore those first two matches, there's even a match later that I thought I wouldn't like. I liked it a little better than I expected, so I'll give it a little credit. Um, if you just drop off those first two matches, you look at all the promos, uh, like the Ted DiBiase one earlier was great, um, you know, uh, with the Hina family, and all the. They're going to do a lot of short interviews with people in the yes. Rumble. I love that. That's great. The Rumble itself, this Valentine Garvin match. Uh, there's just so much great stuff on this show. So, yeah, if you if you survive those first two matches, you'll get a much better impression of what will be good in 1990.
0: Absolutely. So Brother Love's going to be out with Sensational Sherry, uh, a Queen Sherry, I should say. This is, to watch Sherry, again, like, you really think that she comes in and out of a portal. Like, you know, she's not coming from the back. She's coming from whatever, like, magical realm that she is from. And she is... She is half-intimidating, half-charismatic, and just an enigma is, is Queen Sherry.
1: Yes, and what an aesthetic she has. Um, it will always be mocked by the babyface announcers. Uh, Tony says she has pineapples <laughs> over her eyes. But guess what, Tony Schiavone? You just don't understand fashion or humans. So I, I love the aesthetic of Sherry and Savage in this era. They, they do a beautiful job of presenting themselves.
0: Yeah. Sherry is not a woman who's going to end up being a cookie in your oven. Oh, so. God,
1: no, man. She'd, she'd have him for lunch <laughs> the other way around.
0: Oh, dear. WCW's Legacy Series reference. Look it up, folks. <laughs> okay, so this to me, I like the sideways uh, version of this, that we're not getting dusty or savage up front. Like, we're taking a different route to get there.
1: We are. We are. Um, I like a lot of people in this segment, Not not Brother Love. He was insufferable as usual, um, but I like a lot of people involved. I was weirded out. Like, they bring out Sapphire, and I guess the idea is she's just, like, fat and disgusting and, like, I Ventura, I thought, was, like, way over the top here yeah. in a rare moment where he was not clicking for me. So I, I didn't quite get everything they were trying to get across to me here.
0: I agree with the Jet. Anytime Jesse's off, he's way off because whatever he does is, you know, it's right down the line. So, you know, he's not going to be halfway on or halfway off. And I get that. I think it's different what's happening in the ring versus kind of what may be coming out of the booth. But I like the beginning because this is getting closer to 87, 88 in narratives when Sherry comes out and talks about the masculinity of Brother Love and how he stands. Like, this is what I miss. It's just this war of narratives that, like, you know, this man is not going to be, he's not going to win any awards for the things for the credits that she gives him, but she says it with such authority that the fans cannot like it, but they can't stop her from saying it. And it creates a kind of heat that is a little bit better than some of this more surface stuff. Um, Brother Love starts talking about the definition of a peasant, and he's talking about Dusty Rose and Sapphire. Um, we're going to get Sapphire, as Ms. Fan said, come, coming out. She's going to take a beating because, like, just like with Hogan, I don't know if this is like what he does all the time, but he just asks a question, takes the microphone away. What I will say is the look on Sapphire's
1: face was excellent. I, I have a feeling people don't like Sapphire, and maybe it's because she'll wrestle some matches. I don't know if she's really in a position to do that. But as a character... I never had a problem with Sapphire. I think, you know, I liked her in the crowd. I think she puts over things well, like, in this segment. Um, You know, I I don't have a problem with Sapphire at the moment. We'll see if that changes as I watch more. But, yeah, I have no issue with her, really.
0: I don't know. I'll say it if I see it, but she's been amazing to me so far because I think a lot of us, everybody probably feels like, oh, I could do these amazing things because it's almost something like when you feel something as a fan it's almost like then you could do the thing you know if you read a great book then you can write a great book and then you start writing it and it's like no i just want to feel like there's really awesome things i don't want to figure out how to do the structure thing that made it that way mm. you know so like easily you could be a big fan and gets plucked out of the crowd and gets put on tv and just be an abomination but so far with what she's done in the crowd with the look on her face like to me i would think you know that that she's been doing this on a big stage a lot longer, you know? So it's working for me The look on her face. Like I wanted to see her like kind of lay them both out, which I think is the point of it.
2: Mm.
0: And then, you know, we got Savage who I've almost forgotten about at times, but he's awesome every time he's on the air, but you know, what's going to happen because Sherry is going to also brother love, brother love and Sherry are going to both kind of be abusive to dusty Rhodes. And Sapphire is going to be a lot of low-hanging fruit, a lot of, like, oh, you take up a lot of room because you're big and that kind of thing. And she slaps Sherry, I think.
1: Yeah, I believe so. Um, And then uh, (laughs) this is nuts. When Sherry gets slapped, Savage appears like he was fired out of a cannon. Yes. (laughs) It's just, like, the way he hits the ring. I mean, uh, he was definitely tapping into that two places at once because I think I saw him on the stage and then also in the ring at the same time. So,
0: and he does the chin, his famous chin grab to uh, to Sapphire. I gotta
1: Uh, say, I was really afraid they were gonna bring out Liz when they first did this segment. They were talking about some lady that they hated, so I'm glad it was not Liz again because we can let that rest for a while.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and I like. I don't want to get on this anti-Liz bandwagon because I feel like it has already got its own steam. But, like, at least Sapphire is going to wrestle, you know?
1: Yeah. Honest to God, Sapphire can talk better. She can wrestle better. She can kind of do everything better than Liz except stand there and look, you know, like she looks. So, <laughs> I'm not... It's so difficult because I enjoy Liz. I actually do. I just yeah. think it's important to highlight the fact that the reason I like her has really nothing to do with anything she does. She just has, like, the right vibe and the right look and the right charisma, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually, you can't teach it. It's rare to have that kind of thing where you can really just kind of be there and you add something, but at the same time, you know, I just don't want us to get out of hand here, so that's me trying to explain maybe the unexplainable, my feelings toward Liz.
0: Yeah, I get it. Um, I'd love this idea of Dusty and uh, Savage. The question is asked: it's, If Dusty is a common man, what does that make you? And I think if they let her answer. Happily, it would make her a common woman. I think she loves Dusty Rose. She loves the idea, and you know, it's kind of the insecurity in a way of the heels that are trying to flex on them. Mm-hmm. But now we got this, this kind of little, little, uh, little divide of the haves and have-nots, the king and queen, and then the common man and Sapphire. And, you know, if you're going to do the gimmick, it just had to happen, I think. So here come polka dots, here comes Dusty. And you got Dusty and Savage, folks. I don't know where it's going to go, but, you know, you got Dusty Rhodes and Randy Savage. You might not know what you got. You got to look past the gimmicks, but you do have Dusty Rhodes and Randy Savage right now gearing up for a WrestleMania matchup.
1: Indeed. And, uh, you know, say what you will, but the biggest pop in this segment, mm. Sapphire jumping on the back of Randy yep. Savage when he was fighting Dusty Rhodes. So, huge pop for that. I was just reading a little about Sapphire, and uh, I read she actually was a, a huge Dusty Rhodes fan. Um, so, yes. that, that's very cool. Um, I think I'm going to enjoy this storyline pretty well.
0: Yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I will... This is the last thing I will say because this is not a knock on, on the show that we keep mentioning. It's just that there's not a lot of shows that talk about wrestling specifically like this. But it was also said that they, they had to keep reminding – I don't know if it's WWF. They had to keep reminding Brother Love and Savage that they are the stars and that Dusty Rose is the one that they have to try to get over that's not as known into that audience and they would be like, oh, my God, I'm just Brother Love. And, you know, this is Dusty Rhodes. But they had to keep being reminded, no, you guys are the stars that have the name recognition. And it's Dusty that's got to get over here.
1: <sighs> I mean, so. I feel like that has not been borne out at all. So that's. Um, yeah. Uh, this segment actually ends with Dusty Rhodes beating up Brother Love. And I can't even enjoy that because I know it's just going to lead to more Brother Love. Um, <laughs> you know, so he's. He's probably the the biggest and worst example of something you zeroed in on, and that's that they love to drill down on things. This is a guy who will drill down on any comment, and his gimmick is so drilled down, and it's repeated over and over and over again. And uh, it's really done in the worst way, I think, because it's not entertaining. It's not engaging. It lacks any kind of nuance or interest. And, man, I just it's it's just so sad because again brother love is a character i was ready to like when i first came into this era and it is just not borne out at all that there's anything worthwhile with this guy
0: yeah i think too it also reflects what we're saying what i'm saying about the warrior what you're saying about burning goodwill Mm the surface like at the end of the day it's about what like the 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 stuff on his face like the sounds that he makes how irritating It's all surface level. He's doing the same thing that the great heels and managers are doing, but it's all surface out. It is not like where is the internal qualities and the nuance and the kind of depth. It's just another like another color on the vehicle. The vehicle needs engine work at this point, WWF, and you're just putting a bunch of new colors on the outside on the body. Uh And that's going to catch up with you.
1: Tell me if this makes sense. I just thought of it, but I feel like it bears out. Um, Hulk Hogan is to the ultimate warrior as Bobby Heenan is to brother love. Yes. Okay.
0: Right down to the face paint. Yes. 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 One. As I was about to say, like brother love is kind of what Bobby Heenan was. And I couldn't even make myself say it out loud, (laughs) but having just witnessed Hogan at his best, I can't say that about the warrior either. You know, they're not even trying to do what they did. It's almost like we have upgraded to not having to put in the work. We just got to put the colors, and the fans are going to pop. We said this kind of been the theme of the show. It's like, oh, we still hear noise. We must be okay, but there's going to be fewer people at the house shows. You know, there's going to be less money being made. So. Yeah, you still hear people making noise, but there's not as many of them. So stop just listening for noise and stop just making noise, because that's also what's happening. Brother Love makes noise. Ultimate Warrior makes noise. Oh, that, have you heard his thing music? It makes you excited. It's got to be more. There was more in 87 and 88 than noise.
1: Indeed. Oh, my gosh. I'm just glad at this point that we didn't get 10, 15 years of Brother Love as an on-screen character. Yes. Like, we'll be able to dump him. I think, uh, at the end of 91 or so, so, you know, maybe earlier even, so thank God for that, and...
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I'm also more on board with the fact that I think Dusty Rhodes should have at least been considered for a top guy role.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, based on the reactions he's getting and all that, and, you know, in fairness, he, he, he feuded with Bossman, DiBiase, um uh Randy Savage now. These are top guys, so it's yes. not like he's not in that conversation. But yeah, as far as like main events, title shots, it's never gonna happen. So
0: You could have brought him in, let him shit on WCW just like Flair's gonna do when he comes in, you know, he can be you know, this is his last run and he's never been you know, nothing ever happens until you win the WWF title and this is his last chance. This is his farewell. This is his only opportunity you team him up with Hogan in the summer like you make him matter from the. if he's doing this much and getting this much response and this much i even the storytelling it's like i hate the gimmick i hate oh this is fun i hate the gimmick i hate the, oh this is interesting like so if you gave him a chance and it's, the funny thing is you could have built him up to face Hulk Hogan and then if the day before WrestleMania he wasn't over enough to do it you don't have to build ultimate warrior he's never going to be better or worse than what he is so you can just slot the warrior in at any point <laughs>
1: Oh, you're not wrong about that. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, I, Dusty Rhodes, it probably never could have happened for him from the way he looked and, uh, you know, from being from another place, but I would have loved to see it. Um, And I'll say, even with, I feel like the gimmick has gotten better than yeah. it was original. Like, it, Dusty in the tie-dye, making the face, and, mm. you know, like the initial thing, that was, I couldn't have maybe withstood that, but... I mean, right now he's just Dusty Rhodes wearing polka dots, basically, and that's, you know, that's not all of what Dusty Rhodes is, but it's better than it was, I think.
0: Yeah, it is is evened out fairly well, and, yeah. you know, it, it's sad to me that I think people feel like Savage almost had an off year, you know, because, oh, he went from Hogan to the Warrior and he had this Dusty Rhodes thing, but unless it completely goes to hell, and maybe it will with all the, you know, factors I'm almost going to see this as just like a like a like a uh, the run continues like five six seven Savage just doing his thing and he's doing it well so far.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I what I've seen of this feud I've liked so I think we're going to have positive things to say whether that is the master narrative or not.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so my God, Sean Mooney is with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> I don't usually recommend hacksaw uh, promos, but I recommend listening to this one if you just. He he can't say words. Like, I don't know what what his fucking deal is. Um, he's stumbling over everything that he says, and he just makes him louder and more aggressive as he does it. It is a weird promo, and just more garbage hacksaw. So
1: <laughs> I thought yeah. I thought you were gonna uh, recommend this for a different reason because oh. actually uh, he's very honest about his entire career here because he basically shouts he never has to approach anything differently. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most on-brand Jim Duggan thing that ever was said, so.
0: Yes, that is absolutely true. Sean Mooney, you know, rookie that he is, thinks that Hacksaw might have to approach different wrestlers different ways, but Hacksaw puts him in his place. Quick, buddy, I don't sell. I'm like, what is there to do differently? <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Now so here I gotta say,
1: I don't know if you'll agree with this, but as Jim, this is not this is not a great match. It's not even a good match, I'd say. But as Jim Duggan matches go, this this is probably one of the better ones I've seen in the WWF because there's very little bellowing, there's very little stupid chance. It's mostly just like two guys throwing big meaty punches at each other. And you know what? Even if one of those guys is Duggan, I can kind of get on board with that.
0: Okay, so here's how, this is I will give you. There are only a couple of times that it really piss me off, and that's when, like, in the beginning and later on, where I think Bossman is just straight punching him in the face and it's not doing anything. Right. But I do think, I don't think it's a good match. I think they're off with each other, but Bossman is Bossman. He bumps and he sells, and it does, it get, they become subdued, and Hacksaw finds himself stuck in an exchange called wrestling, and I think those are some very nice moments.
1: Yeah, no, the one thing that Duggan does that I like, um, occasionally, is the way he actually has to fight sometimes, instead of just, like, kind of ignoring, he's kind of, made. they make a liar out of him, kind of, because he does have to act a little differently in this mm. match than he normally would, Um, it's crazy, because, like, even when he wrestled Vader, he didn't really act like this, but, you know, somehow Bossman drew it out of him, so... So, yeah, I would go so far as to say this could be a decent match, which is probably the highest bar you could give for Jim Duggan. So,
0: You know why I think that is? What? I think they are in the midst of turning Bossman face right now. So ah, yep. he's getting – yeah, he's not wrestling a full-on heel, so you can't treat them like a full-on heel. Bossman's got to look better than a heel would look.
1: Yep, he's on the verge of it. Uh, I don't know if they give a lot of signs in this match, but it's coming real soon, and uh, – I'm excited for it, and I think you're probably really onto something there.
0: We also get another we've lived long enough to see moment because uh, Jesse and Cheryl will say that the referee is laying back. It's pretty much their outside and they should be counted out. And then he says, I think there's a time that they should do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they uh, comment a few times that the referee just kind of lets this go, and they kind of approve of it. So, you know, even when – Jim Duggan shoves the referee for no reason. venture raises a flag about that, as he should, but even yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So this one is uh, this one is also a disqualification. Um, I don't know if Hagsall ever finishes a matchup in a way that, you know, is satisfactory, but hey.
1: Indeed. Um, it's Bossman who's DQ'd for using the nightstick. In fact, uh, I think we can all agree he just beat Duggan to the 2x4. Um, so it was probably yeah. a photo finish, uh, just so that everyone goes home happy, quote unquote, Duggan does get the two by four anyway. And he, uh, he beats everybody up with it. And then after the match, this was kind of crazy. Bosman like throws chairs at Duggan and Duggan just like bats them away with his board, which was kind of, I don't know, <laughs> like that was something. So, um, take that for what you will.
0: Axel definitely uh, is on his own path doing his own thing, (laughs) you know. That's
1: the best way to say it. I like it.
0: (laughs) So we have rapid-fire promos, and we can just call out any that we want to. Because pretty much.
1: Man, we have the king of rapid-fire promos. They talk to almost everyone who's going to be in the Rumble before the Rumble. And I love that. I love when everyone has something to say about the Royal Rumble before they get into it.
0: This was one of my first – High fandom WWF moments like to me, the rapid fire promos might have been my favorite thing about the Royal Rumble when I was a child.
1: Oh, yeah, just the great thing about the Royal Rumble and the reason that it's one of my favorite matches most years is um, when they treat it right everybody has something distinct to say everybody has personality for that one night even if normally they don't even get that opportunity like here you are in a big match they could have a big prize you get to stand out you get to be in contention like it's great it demands such depth to do it well and this one is done very well i would say
0: yeah they got to be characters to begin with they can't become characters on the night of the rapid fire so i think that's one thing yeah, that helps. Then another thing, you get the impression that everybody thinks they're going to win the Royal Rumble, which is nice. And when you're a kid and you don't yet know that Hulk Hogan is going to always win the Royal Rumble, you know, <laughs> imagine being a kid that does, that thinks anybody can be a, win the Royal Rumble and then watch these rapid fire promos.
1: I mean, Bay John Studd won last year. So, yeah. you know, tell, tell it for what you will. Anyone could win the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah, th- oh th- these gosh. are great. Uh, any of them stand out for you?
1: Uh, Marty Janetti like calls out Hulk Hogan. That was yeah. like that. That's to your point that um <laughs> anyone yeah. feels like they could do anything on this night.
0: And good for them.
1: Sure, yeah. Why not? You're gonna be in the ring potentially with that person. Um, <laughs> I like
0: Hercules.
1: Uh oh yeah, Hercules talking about destiny, no friendships. He's got that huge chain around his shoulders. Yeah. Love Hercules as always. What were you um, gonna say? What was? Oh, Dino Bravo is delusional in that he thinks he's feuding with the Ultimate Warrior, and we will see so, proof that Ultimate Warrior is unaware of that is even happening. So uh. yeah,
0: we'll get. Boy, there's a masterful work in Warrior and Hogan in the way that they point to each other or don't point to each other in these.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: Uh, Rick Martel is the model officially, so I didn't know that happened this early.
1: Yeah, no, I I. I actually forgot that for a while he was not the model, um, but yeah, he has not been the model till now, and now he's praising his face, and he's wearing the scarf, and he's got his his whole deal going around. Um, we have uh, Demolition, and they here's some more continuity for you. They mm. remember last year they had to fight each other. This year they'll fight everyone else, and yet still, they still kind of want to fight each other, so that's very yeah. on-brand for Demolition.
0: It's beautiful, though, because it's just – this is another thing about – this is what I used to feel as a child. I don't know how much of it was being a child. But, man, when I was in a Royal Rumble or Survivor Series, it felt – not only did it feel like for me that it was a different kind of night than any kind of night. I felt like the wrestlers were having a different kind of night than they ever had, and I loved watching them try to adjust and figure out something that's different than what they do the other 360-plus days of the year.
1: Yes, yes. I love that. I think that's very true. You have to have a different mindset going to the Royal Rumble. Um, Bad News Brown, <laughs> he, he yeah. says he's going to kill all the spiders <laughs> and cockroaches that people call heroes. Bad News Brown continues to be one of the most badass people in this era.
0: Yeah, I love the cockroach line. Because you, when you are by yourself and you don't have friends and you're facing 29 people, you are at a disadvantage. But if you're a man and those 29 are cockroaches, you're doing a little bit better. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, 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 it's genius in its own way. It's genius. And it's, again, these characters don't act like they're reading scripts. They act like they are. they were born this way and they've lived this way and they're just arriving on the show and their reactions come out of what they already are. And that seems like such a small thing, but that's the beginning of, and the end of whether I'm even going to give something a chance or not.
1: Absolutely. I love that. I also love, I love that when you go into the Rumble, when everyone kind of states their their purpose, not everyone is focused on the win because you have Dusty Rhodes, who's basically like, whether I come in early or late, Mm -hmm. you know, if I come in early, I'll wait for you, Savage. If I come in late, I'll find you. So some people just want to find a certain person and fight them with nobody in the way. So that's great. I love divergent goals in wrestling
0: absolutely that's a great point and you know when you see that then it gives you like these subplots to look for you know in the royal rumble to enjoy yourself because it's a long you know it's a long royal rumble so you need more than just like who's gonna win because that comes down to like one second at the end of the thing
1: yeah yeah absolutely so man so many of these um stood out to me we have uh well we have ultimate warrior who screams away from the camera and i don't know why he does that i, I don't know it's so strange. Um, I didn't catch most of what he said as usual, but I did notice him praising Hulk Hogan's force field. So there's, there's a preview Mm. of all the WrestleMania six build that you're going to get.
0: Yeah. So warrior says, if they refuse to understand, let them continue to walk as normal as they seem. Uh, so that's what he says. And then, but what I love about warrior and Hogan's promos, warrior, continually says these 28 normal people who pretty much are beneath him to the point that I started to think maybe he doesn't know how many people are in the Royal Rumble. Huh. And then he says, you know, the 29th man, Hulk Hogan. And he says, you walk on horizons close to where I've been. And so the challenger who is not yet in Hulk Hogan's league dismisses 28 people and makes it clear that like I'm in the league with Hulk Hogan. When we get to the Hulk Hogan promo, he mentions warrior in a line with other people in the rumble as just another guy.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Uh, you can see there'll be a lot to parse out, I think, as these two talk about each other. Um, so that's, that's something. Um, Randy Savage is here and I got to praise again, his look, his aesthetic, which is so brilliant at this time. Uh, he calls out, Hogan, Andre, Piper, Jake, everyone else, he says Dusty can't derail him because he's number one and he's going to show it.
0: It's beautiful. Savage is back to just being savage, which, you know, we can all breathe a sigh of relief, I think, (laughs) on that.
1: Indeed, yeah. He's bursting out of his skin again. He's not feeling that insecurity, that pressure in the same way, and I think uh, it's doing wonders for him.
0: Jake Roberts has a phenomenal promo where (laughs) he says, It never ceases to amaze me what the human mind can think of talking about the Royal Rumble, which is just such an interesting way to look at the, the, the device, <laughs> the, the Hunger Games that they find themselves in.
1: Yeah. Jake was a candidate for best promo of, uh, of our last, you know, awards section. And I don't think he got that much recognition. But I almost feel like it's because we've been missing these short promos that he gets to do in this era. He does a lot of them on TV. And they're so good, and they stand out so far above most of the other people. So we're going to keep a close eye on Jake. He's got a lot of exciting stuff to do over the next couple
2: years.
0: Yeah, I think he does some of his best work still to come. Like yeah. tonight into that into that warrior undertaker stuff. Like he finds himself – it's weird how many people from the 80s will start to lose ground in the 90s. But, man, you bring in Undertaker and all, and Paul Bearer and all this weird shit, and Jake Roberts might be more at home than he was in the 80s.
1: <laughs> yeah you may very well be right about that there's something magical about that time we'll get yes. to it um mr fuji is with his powers of pain he says you don't know what fuji is thinking and i can confirm no no we don't
0: <laughs> oh dear nobody does
1: nobody does indeed uh jim neidhart is maniacal bret hart urges him to mellow out perhaps uh, highlighting their different promo styles
0: we get a reference to the pink and black attack, which I did not realize was a Hart Foundation thing because when I started watching it, was a Bret Hart singles wrestler thing.
1: I mean, we're getting there to that singles run. But, yeah, this is the first time I have heard it as well. More pieces of Bret Hart getting put together here, slowly but surely.
0: We are on the horizon, man, of some. Well, the best thing on Warrior winning the world title is relinquishing the IC title.
1: <laughs> yes, finally. Please give us back that title to some good stuff. Um, since Hoggy Talk Man won it, nothing interesting has happened with that title. That was three years ago. so.
0: I'm getting more and more excited for Brett and Perfect, because now that I'm seeing the temperament of Perfect, Like Brett and Perfect have very similar. They are very serious, and they stand for what they believe, and they are very uh, very adamant about the things that they see and believe.
1: Now, the match they had, I think it was on prime time, was one of my late contenders for best match that we've seen. So it's only going to get better in
0: 1991 yes absolutely man this watch this folks watch the rapid fire uh if you just love characters and storytelling and just fun and energy and excitement and hype and build just dig into those uh rapid fire promos where pretty much everybody in the rumble almost i think is accounted for
1: yeah just about just about i thought it was everybody and then, uh, number two, Coco Beware comes yeah. out, and he doesn't get to say a damn thing, so that's just a shame, but, um, so, mostly him. everybody.
0: He changes his look so often, I don't think he gets credit for just, like, how much he switches it up.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, I mean, uh, his look here is totally different, it's been different many times over, the things he does with his hair, he'll experiment with, like, face paint as well at times, but he doesn't let it define him, he'll wear different gear, he'll do all sorts of different stuff, <laughs>
0: And again, Coco's going to be in it very short, as is Marty Jannetty, but they're playing pivotal roles because they are making sure that the fans start off excited and hyped, and they're doing a good job of it.
1: They absolutely are, you know, and they're contributing to that hierarchy as well. We talked before about how it can be detrimental if everyone is on the same level. So, you know, I love DiBiase. Um, I love Coco as well. I'd love to see more. Uh, out of Coco, but you know, you are creating that hierarchy, and they do it very well here in the early going.
0: We also have a moment where Jim Ross uh, beats Tony Schiavone without being on the show because <laughs> where I grew up, uh, when Lex Luger or the Steiners hit you with a hard clothesline and then you kind of flipped out of it, Jim Ross would say he turned them inside out. That's the only way I ever refer to that because that just stuck. Uh, that will happen early. I didn't imagine Tony's call of that is he knocked him for a flip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, well Jim Ross uh, will usually beat Tony Schiavone unless we're talking <laughs> about 2020, in which case it is uh, drastically reversed. And that's just my opinion, but um, but yes, in this era there's no contest.
0: Yeah, it just he knocked him. Uh, yes, he did knock him for a flip. I saw that. <laughs> thank you he turned him inside out is is will always be the call for me
1: knocked him for a flip just for a loop is the phrase yeah. <laughs> and it would work fine like it would be better so i don't know weird. well he's still
0: learning he's got a lot to learn
1: <laughs> about earth culture yes i agree
0: it's <laughs> so weird in, in the uh games i'm playing Charles of cold steel there are a couple of characters who were created in a workshop and man they have advanced more in a couple of years with their emotions than tony did in about a decade and a half <laughs>
1: Yeah, he has a long way to go as far <laughs> as that goes. Um, oh my
0: gosh. I think he gets there He he. I think right now he is a feel good story because partly, like people know that you know he came from a different world. He did in fact cook his family in an oven, and he had some hard times. Like there were some rough spots, you know. But he sings like his birthday celebration. It looks like so.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder how they're basing his birthday. Like is that off when he arrived or created or? <laughs> <laughs>
1: questions we might not need to ask. So uh,
0: <laughs> Fair. I was shocked who number four was, but man, that was a nice twist. After oh a man. Of,
1: this is know, where O-Go I party. think it becomes clear that this rumble is going to be elevated to a new level because number four is Jake Roberts is a big pop. These yeah. two have issues. DBS is freaked out. Uh, it just, it feels like the whole thing, like the stakes have been raised in a moment. And uh, they're going to stay raised for a lot of this match.
0: Yeah, we're going to get so much star power. We're going to get Savage. We're going to get Piper. Like, I felt transported. Like, I didn't even know at times. And this goes to Miz fans' great point about it being more than just about winning the Rumble. There were moments where I kind of forgot it was the Royal Rumble. And it was just a weird, like, oh, my God, look at the people in the ring together.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love this whole sequence of like you said Ted's in there then Jake comes in Savage comes in Piper comes in like the the star power is huge the crowd is so super hot for this yeah and I love nobody in the fans nobody in the crowd coming in had any idea that any of these guys would meet up and now here they are they're fighting tooth and nail the rumble just always feels so fresh and alive because you can get these moments that you would never be able to predict and it's great I love it
0: yeah, man, this, like I said earlier, I thought this is the great coming out of the Royal Rumble, and maybe it would have happened either way because it was booked very well, but if the Royal Rumble is the star of this night, then one uh, A and one B, the other star is the fans and their reactions throughout the show.
1: Oh, yeah, great crowd. One of the best crowds we've seen in probably yeah. the whole Legacy series, so props to these guys for not getting killed by the undercard.
0: <laughs> yeah. This has to be a time if you're backstage where you're saying, my God, like this is working better than we imagined.
1: Yeah, yeah, like what a feeling that's got to be. If you're in the ring also, I feel like, man, you got to hear that, and that just elevates you further. And I think you see that because a lot of people have great performances tonight. And...
0: You got to remember as well, this is a – before there was like yearly Royal Rumbles, they put on a couple because it was Pat Patterson idea on house shows, <laughs> and it was so poorly received – that they kind of put it aside.
1: Man, I, mean, yeah, can't, I, I can't imagine that. I'd love to see that because my only thought is maybe they did not explain well. You know, yeah. here they always have uh, Howard Finkel comes out and he tells you, like, exactly what to expect. If they didn't do that, they just did this out of nowhere, I, I think fans would be confused. But, man, like, it's hard for me to imagine a Royal Rumble not succeeding because it is one of my favorite kinds of matches.
0: I agree with that. I think on the flip, I also see that that the talent also is just there's so much talent. I think they've they've gotten better at you know booking it and like people understanding it. So right, we're watching it grow up because man, we were like I, I'm a big Royal Rumble fan myself, but we talked a lot more I think about Survivor Series
1: sure. in the last I, two
0: years than we did Royal Rumble.
1: I think this might be where it gets passed up on this yeah. this particular night. So we'll see
0: this is a precious moment though because when you've lived this long you start to think the only reason the royal rumble mattered is because it is the the road to wrestlemania
1: yeah that's not so here i really appreciate some people really dislike matches where there are no obvious stakes but man i can really appreciate something that is just for the sake of winning because like that's that's your job if you're a wrestler like you want to win matches because you get more money you get more prestige you get more opportunities especially a big match like this like that i never have any trouble engaging in that i mean i guess as long as it's presented well but it's very easy for me to buy into something like that i think it's presented very well here
0: so yeah the biggest thing is how is it presented because right. there's a part of me that says please don't do it for nothing on the line but that has nothing to do with what can it work it has to do with how it's you know the rapid fire promos told us what was on the line
1: right right absolutely and the the way they wrestle this match also tells you what's on the line it gives you a felt sense of the importance of this match
0: yeah and again Jesse Ventura I think the third thing I thought live to never see is that he started justifying people like helping each other when like all he's ever said in his life is like, you know, it's every man for himself, but like Savage starts helping DiBiase and he actually praises him for saving him at one point. So there's some strange things happen. Jesse's got to get out before that great integrity that has held for so long starts to uh, drip a little
2: bit. I think.
1: <laughs> but you know what, the way he talks about it makes a lot of sense. Yes. It never makes it's always, Oh, every man for himself, every man for himself. It always bothers me when tag team partners fight, when friends fight, fight at the end. For God's yes. sakes, I like They're when stupid. people have partnerships and alliances. You know that makes sense to me. So, uh, so I do appreciate that. I also appreciate Tony um, theorizing that uh, Savage was paid off by DiBiase, mm. which would also be very on brand. Um, I like that whole stretch very much.
0: I, I love both of those because number one, the second one, it makes you believe that these are real people behind the scenes. So, like, just because we haven't seen DiBiase pay off Savage, they exist in the world 24-7. It doesn't mean it did not happen.
2: Yep.
0: You know? And then the other point you're so right on is, especially as a heel, you have to look out for each other. Because, my God, if (laughs) Jake Roberts and Roddy Piper throw out Ted DiBiase and they're in the ring with Ted DiBiase, or they're in the ring with Savage, they're not going to fight each other. They're coming for Randy Savage. Yep.
1: Yep, so, they'll team on. up on you. So you gotta you gotta make those partnerships, those alliances.
0: So we get another stretch. We got Warlord out. We got Bret Hart, and then comes Bad News Brown.
1: Yep, and I saw Bret and Bad News Brown reigniting their old issues ah. in there. That that was nice to see.
0: One thing I will always love about Bad News Brown is he's got a shoot interview where he kind of critiques Bret Hart as a worker. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it made saying? my heart. Because, like, he said Bret Hart barely touches you with his moves. Like, he does a dropkick and it doesn't really even connect. And he let him know, like, if you do anything, it doesn't look like it's, like, getting the job done. I'm not selling it. Jesus. Did Bad News Brown
1: ever miss his time and place? Like, oh, my God. They have now – I don't know if you've seen any of these, but they have some of these kind of – they call them blood sports shows. There's some other types as well, but uh, it's very – you know, they work it, it's called shoot style, you know, like it's very, uh, authentic and stiff and man, like just put him as is on one of these shows. I think he'd Mm. be over so huge. So it it's, it's a missed opportunity. I don't know why they didn't put him in with like, uh, you know, we just saw with Ronnie Garvin, like have them just slug the shit out of each other. I would watch that all day. I think
0: I would yeah, I would go for that any day and put him in there. Like I'd like to see him because It's unfair a lot of times who he's in there with. I think it would make more sense to see him with Valentine and Garvin because all three of them can hold their own.
1: Indeed. Another uh, high contender for most underutilized for sure.
0: Every time we talk about him, I think about Bad News Brown and Hercules because Mm. I feel like both of them could have been so much more. And it's almost very similar. It's like we both know what they can be, so we'll use them however we want, whenever we want, and that'll be that.
1: Yeah. It'll be a waste. Uh, A little later on, we will see a sign of Bad News Brown's next feud, which uh, maybe will be overwhelmed by controversy. But just on paper, Piper and Bad News Brown, I can get into that. They have their conflict in this match. They throw each other out. They fight to the back. Um, I I don't know. It'll be hard to have that conversation around, um, you know, kind of the controversy, like I said. But there'll be some good stuff to say as well.
0: Yeah. So you got a controversy. And Piper, this is just like Piper at where he destroyed the, that WrestleMania 5 segment with just stupidity. So, you, you know, you're going to get this and that. And the, this is horrible and the, that is amazing. But just on paper and even on the brawl today, this is like 97 shit. with the Attitude Era with them just brawling down the aisle. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's another thing where I think Piper, if, even if someone could convince Piper less is more, he still will be doing 10 times more than someone else. So I, I think he really needed a less is more guy in his ear at times.
1: Uh, probably so, but you know, sometimes the excess of Piper works hugely to his favor. So, um, you know, sometimes a guy just is what it is. And I don't know, maybe if you try to fix it, you break it. So Piper, he does what he does. We're going to talk about it all as it comes, but man, just in the moment to see him throwing those wild punches, Mm. uh, one of the best things he does with bad news, Brown, who can also punch the hell out of you. Like I want to see more of that, and maybe leave some of the other stuff we're gonna see to one side.
0: Yeah, he was so over too in this.
1: Oh, so over. I mean, this is a guy who star. Um, I I don't think it's fair to say anyone star rival Hogan's, but uh, he was in that like conversation, yeah. you know, with Andre, with Savage, w- with with these top guys, and uh, you know, aside from that terrible WrestleMania segment, I think he's been delivering very well.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's also weird because this is not booked quite the same. We're still evolving, but Savage will just dump Jake the snake at one moment where I'm like, Oh shit. Well, Jake's gone. (laughs) Right? Yeah.
1: I almost missed that. Um, But you know, we'll uh, Savage and Jake being together that, that triggered something also in me that I was looking forward to in um, just about a year and a half now. So we'll, we'll get to that as well.
2: When we get there,
0: Savage and Jake have been overlapping for years and it's just weird how they come in contact and so little comes from it because you would think with these two that if they even came in contact, the world would burn down. Well, guess what it, it is? Don't 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 open your presents on, on your wedding night, Savage.
1: <laughs> There's a, a little-known, I think little-known segment on Primetime where Jay cuts a promo about not being uh, invited to Randy Savage's bachelor party before SummerSlam. And I am going to dig that up for sure because – Man, that feud is going to go on some uh, award lists, in my opinion. It's going to be yeah. some great stuff.
0: Late '91 and early and f- first half of '92 and '97 to me are the things I'm looking forward to so much. I don't know what I'll do when I get to them. So <laughs>
1: agreed. After SummerSlam '91, we're going to be in some uh, some very sweet gravy for a while.
0: Yeah, World Rumble also presents opportunities. Dusty comes out, he gets on Savage like he said he would, but then I'm thinking, oh my god. Dusty Rhodes and Bad News Brown—that could be that could be a feud.
1: That could be a program. Absolutely, yeah. You, you see these guys in contact that are not usually together, and that's that's one of the things we liked about Survivor Series. And now that the Royal Rumble is coming into its own, I think you see it even more strongly here.
0: You also wow. see Andre and Dusty Rhodes.
1: Woo! 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 Yeah, I know, right? There's a moment where Andre is like squishing. Dusty Rose and Roddy Piper in the corner at the same time, and then yes. they're coming back and fighting him, and I'm just like, God, look at the talent, the stars. Yeah. It's, it's overwhelming.
0: It's amazing. I think Dusty's trying to get a Royal Rumble moment with Andre, but I don't think it's booked to happen. It's not gonna, You see him like sneaking into the frame every once in a while to try to <laughs> you know, do something, but it makes me realize, too, when we're talking about the Warrior being a failure so far, like it's not being over-exaggerated because I was thinking, like, when Dusty was in the ring with Andre, that that, that just popped off the screen, and I, Warriors already had Andre. So if Dusty yeah. was on the Warrior path, he would have had a program with Andre the Giant in late 89. He would get, like, Rick Rude. When I think about Rick Rude and the Warrior, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to wrestle again. When I think about Dusty Rhodes and Rick Rude, that's also very interesting.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I could get into that for sure. I just see him, like, gyrating, and then he gets an elbow to the head, so.
0: Yes. (laughs) And the world, time makes no sense. Like, if if someone did not tell me that time had a consistency to it, like, my felt sense of time, because Dusty, I I am telling you I want to see Dusty Rhodes versus Rick Rude for the WWF title. Mm. And yet, two years later, the dangerous alliance in WCW and Rick Rude is in a feud with Dustin Rhodes within Mm. 24 months of this.
1: Oh good! Oh my God! And I'm just thinking now about Rick Rude versus Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, um, you're a big Lucha Underground fan, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorite feuds of that whole thing, Johnny Mundo versus the Mac, and so much mm-hmm. about that was like, uh, I'm Johnny Mundo. I look incredible. You know, yeah. I'm in the most amazing shape ever, and uh, you can't look at the way you look, the Mac. You can't keep mm-hmm. up with me, and that feud was so great because the mag could whoop his ass in all these unexpected <laughs> ways, and it's like the same vibe. You could do that same thing with Rick Rude and Dusty Rhodes. I feel like it writes itself so much better than Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just I just want to see this now, man. It's all I want to see. Oh, yes. God.
0: That's a perfect illustration. I remember that, and Yeah, it just works. It works, you know, 20 years apart. It works 25 years apart. Yep. It's also, is Rick Rude going to try to seduce Sapphire? And is Sapphire, (laughs) is she going to be repulsed? Or is she going to, in some ways, maybe, you know, what does Dusty Rhodes feel like if he looks, if he starts to realize that Sapphire is kind of into Rick Rude?
1: Yes. Oh, my God. The nuance, the layers. (laughs) You'll never get them with the warrior. You're not. He has only one dimension. Oh, my God.
0: Life is really hard, uh at times because i don't know if it's being an infp for myers briggs people but i am always about future potentials and so like i'm not always in the present as much as i should and i don't even enjoy the futures because they really end up in the potentials and when i shouted out dusty Rose, oh we could put him in the world title match at wrestlemania 6 it was a little bit of felt sense and a lot of audacity but uh, all now we got maybe a tiny bit of audacity and a lot of felt sense because i feel like the whole thing is flipped and i am on board For just taking Warrior out and all Dusty Rhodes uh, for the next year. It just works.
2: Yeah, And
1: I'm sure there will be a lot of people who would doubt that. And I don't know. They could be right. They could be wrong. But you look at Dusty Rhodes' career, and this is a guy who was a proven draw. You know, this is a guy who was one of the most successful wrestlers of the 70s and 80s and was just overwhelmingly popular. At different times in his career and you could say oh well it's a different world you know whatever maybe so maybe not but ultimate warrior is not a proven draw of anything he's a proven failure so you Mm. look back at history and you could say you know it's the same with sting and luger i guess You, you could say that sting failed because there's proof and then the what if you can't really say one way or the other for sure but you know Lex Luger drew better with Ric Flair than Sting did, so, you know, maybe there is some evidence after all.
0: It's interesting. Like, we're talking real stuff right now because I told you earlier, you know, keep Warrior on deck because you don't really need a build. Like, he could close on Hogan the day before WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you don't have to lose that because by, the only argument I can see against this is they might not fill up, like, the arena in Canada, which Hogan's going to fill up by himself probably because Canada loves Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's the one argument. But then what you just said, Dusty Rose was a draw. He sold out Madison Square Garden. Alternate Warrior was not a draw. People are going to be trying to get off of his shows when he's the world champion and get on Hogan's shows. So that also is kind of a lie. And then, maybe I've said it before, but if we're going to have a Sergeant Slaughter-Hulk-Hogan feud, <laughs> if Sergeant Slaughter not only wins the world title but kills the American dream… Mm. Yeah. Is that not better than than Warrior Slaughter?
1: God, that's so much better. And also to that point, if fucking Sergeant Slaughter can be world champion, why the hell can't Duncan yeah. Rose be world champion? For God's Pink. sakes, while we're on the topic. So, oh my God.
0: You know what's weird about that, what you just said, though? What? So they asked, uh, Conrad at one point asked, uh, and this is like not even an opinion, this is kind of who they were thinking of, I think.
1: Okay.
0: So... If it wasn't gonna be Hulk Hogan, who who would Vince have gone with? And he said he thinks it would have been Sergeant Slaughter or Dusty Rhodes mm-hmm. So that's yeah. just weird that this stuff comes around <laughs> for sure.
1: I can totally see that as well. Um, we didn't really get to cover it, but Sergeant Slaughter so popular. he made it into like G i Joe and stuff and just super popular and Dusty is dusty, so let's never underestimate. Like the wealth, uh, the ability of Dusty Rhodes to to be over, to be a draw, to be one of the greatest superstars of all time.
0: And like I said, if you brought him in an 89 where, you know, he's done all these things, but the window is closing. He's never done the thing everybody wants to do. And this is everything. And he is giving everything. He's put his reputation on the line. He's left everything. He teams up with Hulk Hogan and he does the impossible and he becomes the world champion. When he is laying on his back and he has just given the world title to Sergeant Slaughter, who has burned the American flag and gone against America, like I can even feel the commentary of would Dusty Rhodes had rather never lived his dream than to be the one that has done this like right. the, the American dream died at Royal Rumble. you know wow. all of this stuff works better than what we're gonna get, and i I feel weird saying it because in my mind, Warrior just is like he's the culmination. He's the next thing after Hulk Hogan. But this is what I'm trying to say in this show Mm. is I don't think this stuff had to be. And I don't think it is. And I think it sits way too clean and nice in our history, in our minds. Mm.
1: It is weird because um, Mm. (laughs) it's almost like a cognitive dissonance thing because sitting here talking about it. God, I can see so clearly now this thing I never thought about before, this path for Dusty Road, which sounds so great. Uh and we, we both have no time for Ultimate Warrior. We've been totally unimpressed. And yet I think we would sound like lunatics to a lot of people. Yes. Um, you know, who watched during this era, who were fans of Warrior, who just maybe did not think as much of Dusty Rhodes or just yeah, like you said, they think like, well, this is how it's gotta be. So I don't know. I think your mileage will definitely vary depending on how you see a lot of different things, but depending on how you experienced this era. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of space for the narrative that we are talking about. God knows I can see it clearly in my mind as we talk about it right now.
0: Here's where my confidence is with it now. I I am okay with people thinking it's insane. (laughs) Like, it doesn't even budge or bother me. Like, I even understand it. Like, we've called out a lot of opinions on this very show today that we don't agree with. So if you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it and cool. And I honestly have nothing against that mm-hmm. but i don't think you could budge
1: me now right yeah i agree it's going to be very hard for me to put that thought aside um you know it's it's lex luger holding the title farther into 97 you know now mm-hmm. no one will be ever able to talk me out of the thought that that was a better idea than what we got so you,
0: you can't know. even tell these people that work in the industry like bruce pritchard jim ross uh tony Schiavone, anybody they don't even acknowledge that Lex Luger did what he did in 97. They, like the whole narrative is he didn't win the belt in the 80s because he wasn't good enough. He flopped in WWF because he wasn't good enough. He never sold. He never drew. And I'm not going to do it. Watch WCW Legacy series, but please don't make me, like, bring the facts out to it. Cause I know your narrative is nice, but my God, the facts run it over. Back, like, Lex Luger was one of the two most popular wrestlers, uh, in professional wrestling for a moment. Two of three. So Sting, uh, Austin, and Luger. Mm. And this is Austin on the come up. And this is Sting with the best. Sting's push is better than Goldberg's. It's the greatest push maybe anyone can get. Go home and stop talking because he talks like a damn fool. And, you know, we'll we'll do the rest. And somehow out of that, Lex Luger gets somehow this fucking working class. uh, Just he's a guy on the field doing the thing. And it's, it's an amazing, an amazing story. And the funny thing is, it's when you get all the stupid gimmicks off of him and get all the politicking off of him. And it's just kind of Lex Luger. He actually did a good job, you know, and Dusty, man, Dusty. And you I think Savage was a fan of Dusty. Hogan was a fan of Dusty. Yeah. So we got guys who actually, you know. Instead of it being a, a – I think Hogan would have understood. So Hogan, I think, puts over Warrior because Warrior's a piece of shit that can't carry a belt. I think <laughs> maybe he puts over Dusty or whoever does because he knows the shelf life is what it is. This guy is not going to be a top star for five to ten years. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool stuff here. Like the, the I can't help that everything's starting to connect. can't help that.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> and Andre, we've – we, got, we would get the Andre Dusty feud, and that means also with Rick Roode and Andre, we're going to get a Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan feud that's going to last for about a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. You're, you're, you're telling a lot of beautiful stories right now.
0: <laughs> I,
1: world I would like to see.
0: Even for a short moment and this, we get Dusty and Haiku, which go back and watch WCW 94. Like, those guys can get it done as well.
1: That's that's an enduring image in my mind. That chair around Haku's neck, Meng's mm. neck. Oh, my God.
0: I think we said this before and we'll reach out to folks. But um, after Survivor Series of this year, we're going to do a Dusty Road special. We're going to pick a, a certain amount of matches and it can be from any plot time in his career. And we're going to we're going to send him off the right way because WWF is not going to do it. Bobby Heenan and Mr. Fuji.
1: <laughs> yes, they are in conflict in this match. I think uh, what is it? Andre throws out the Warlord with one hand, which you love to see, by the way. Um, and then, yeah, Heenan and Fuji are, are kind of getting physical with each other. So I'm going to put another narrative out here. I think uh, there is going to be simmering feuds between Heenan and Fuji. For a while, and uh, if I can, I'm going to try to dig up some more evidence of that because uh, I love the uniqueness of these manager conflicts.
0: Yes, they've made my way. Bobby can't pull Fuji off the apron, that made my day uh it hurt me a little bit because these heels really need each other but it also made my day
1: (laughs) does anyone really need fuji though yeah
0: (laughs) i'm not gonna harp on this because you were already kind enough to bring up lex Luger, so i won't go deep into this but it was only a little while later that i realized bobby heenan brought lex Luger into the wwf and bobby heenan's always wanted the world title always wants the world title of course and so when Lex Luger comes out to slam Bobby he- or slam Yokozuna, Bobby Heenan gets in his way and Luger has to push him out of the way. So like, Bobby Heenan has no trouble going against Fuji historically, but when it's Lex Luger, then like the whole world just flips all the time. And it's like, no, don't go out there and win that world title. By God, you got to stop yourself. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that moment though. Um, yeah. Where he pushes Heenan aside. We'll talk about said, that when we get yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Okay, so. I don't know where you want to go. I'm about at the – we got the pi- Piper Elimination, we've called that. Yep, we got, Andre, I think, Demolition.
1: Yeah, Andre yeah. thrown out by Demolition to a massive Ooh. pop. Um, we're going to see more of the Colossal Connection and uh, Demolition, and that is a cool feud to me. Uh, I think they mentioned it. Colossal Connection is actually tag team champions already, and yeah. if you get a chance, I think uh, we may want to cover that. Title yeah. exchange as bonus material, so some big stuff happening there, literally.
0: I love it, yeah. I had no idea it happened, but, man, it's big time. And Andre, his health is deteriorating, but to, like, he has a stretch where, to me, the whole Royal Rumble is about him. And, he looked and good, as good in
1: this Rumble as he ever did, almost. Uh, maybe yeah. not ever, but, yeah, like he had a good, a good night in here. And uh, I don't know if he's got a lot of good nights left, but he had a, a really nice performance in this one.
0: Yeah, I'd love to Dusty and Tandy Biazzi fighting on their knees. I thought that was like a a recent development, but apparently not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, perhaps more common nowadays, but uh, it could happen. And, you know, there's a reason. It's a a nice visual, so I appreciate it. Um, Earthquake gets thrown out by like a crowd of people. So that's maybe the first time we've seen that happen. That'll be a staple as we go forward um earthquake he's really got to drop bravo he's got to drop that flag off his uh outfit and then he's going to be doing a lot better i think
0: yeah i think he will because bravo and apparently trying to help him went and like helped throw him out so there's a little confusion about what bravo was trying to do at the back of that pack when earthquake was eliminated
1: indeed indeed um yeah, dropping Bravo. Was pre- Dino Bravo is still there, actually, is the most surprising thing to me. Yeah. I keep expecting him to drop off, so eventually he will.
0: He gets eliminated by his rival. <laughs>
1: uh, as as uh, his unknowing rival. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Warrior comes in at 21. model and Tito come in back-to-back. Mm. Honky Tonk Man comes in gets eliminated uh, probably. Hulk Hogan like, comes
1: in at 25. Mm-hmm. I want to say about the Warrior, um, I don't want to just pile on the Warrior forever, even though he deserves it, but man, I was just watching him in this match, and I'm like, everything he does, it looks like he's just flailing around, like, mm. it, it's so weird the way he moves, and maybe it's just the tassels, or maybe it's just the way he's trying to be, but it looks so weird and awkward to me, so I just gotta shout that out for a minute, and...
0: I promise you that – and people can believe this or not. That's their business. I promise you every time I watch another show, I'm watching it with an open mind and not only hoping but expecting for the best because you expect to see some things on a rise. But, man, it's right now it's still not happening. And when his face paint comes off, he looks like he's about 107 years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah, whenever he's out there long enough that the face paint is like just down to his nose, it's not Mm. a good look. So, man.
0: It's also something, I'll get to it when, when he's with Hogan, but there's something similar to what you are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels, who was on the team of the Ultimate Warrior, comes in, and yeah. Ultimate Warrior pretty much knocks him out of the ring the moment he comes in.
1: Yep, he goes on about 10 seconds. There's another reason to uh, dislike the Warrior. He also, uh, Warrior also dumps Ted DiBiase after uh, a 45-minute run, a great run mm-hmm. for Ted yeah. DiBiase, a run that you would not maybe expect a heel to get. But I think setting up the template for a certain Ric Flair in a couple of years of uh, having these long, really good runs. I got to praise Ted DiBiase because he was he was hanging in there the whole time, doing great work and just showing out how great he is.
0: Yeah, he, he set a model for what is to come. And so often it's the heels who are entertaining us with their work rate and their bumping while we wait for the baby face to arrive to win the thing at the end.
1: Mm, indeed, indeed.
0: So we got Hogan and Warrior. Uh, Hogan's going to eliminate Snuka and Haku. I think uh, Michael's and the model are eliminated by Warrior. You got just Warrior and Hogan. And they circle each other. And it feels like Hulk Hogan does a thing, then Warrior copies him with his version. Like He's just watching Hogan. And Hogan acts, and he reacts. Hogan acts, acts, and he reacts. I mean, they circle each other. They run the ropes. They they do the shoulders where nobody budges. They crisscross each other, and they hit the double clothesline. And that's kind of the beginning and the end of it.
1: <laughs> I'll say two things about this. It's kind of like the big moment of the rumble, I guess, uh, even though I liked some of the other stuff a lot more. But uh, in, in the positive side, the crowd is very into this. And I think, I don't know if they're more into this than they were into some other stuff, but it's definitely one of the biggest reactions on the show, I think, when they are in there together. So that, that's maybe a point in their favor.
0: Yeah, it's uh mm-hmm. it's not supposed to happen. You know, it is right. It so, is kind of like Hogan standing face to face with Andre type thing as far as we never see this. Like the the rules, are, like Vince McMahon is breaking his own rules if so he hates this. So that's how much it's not supposed to happen.
1: Right. Yeah, I have two big baby faces uh face off like this, you know, just just the fact that's happening at all, I think is popping for some people, and I get that. Um but on the negative side, I'll say yeah, like you say, they kind of they do the same thing. Neither one of them really reacts to it very much. They knock each other down at the same time, and except for a really long test of strength, you've seen their match now. You know, <laughs> like like that's all it is. That's all she wrote. Um, you've seen everything that they can do together. So, you know, I guess we have to still watch WrestleMania, but I feel like we've seen it already.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to because I remember it being a big deal as a child, and I think historically it still stands as a big deal they're gonna have a big crowd at wrestlemania uh but as far as ovations go while it did get a good ovation it honestly it didn't get a bigger ovation than several other things that happened in the night.
1: right no i would agree with that
0: it's um, on the same level maybe. Pull but,
1: in. sorry go ahead
0: i'll just say it might be on the same level it did not surpass a few of the other ovations of the night
1: i would agree with that um we're going to have to pull in some outside opinions, I think, for WrestleMania, because some people still say this is one of uh, like Hogan's best matches, and uh, my memory of that does not agree remotely. So um, we're going to see what people say. You know, If any of our regular listeners want to defend the match, please do. We are very open to uh, outside ideas. We try to be. So we'll, we'll just see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I do feel like there have been times in my life where I got lost in something that was going on. I don't know if it's just the energy or if it's just the strangeness of the baby face versus the baby face. I think there was a time in my life you know, I saw a Warrior do things to Hulk Hogan that I didn't think people were supposed to be able to do to Hulk Hogan. You know, and that kinda of blew my mind. So we'll need to try to think about it on different levels. Obviously take that love to hear the opinions of others. Um If it's a good match, it's a good match in that Hulk Hogan got him through that on that stage in that level of a matchup because (laughs) the the man can't do anything, and that's not me talking. That's kind of just history talking, and that's a big, big stage. You could be a good worker and be in the main event on that stage and it not be the easiest thing to do.
1: Right. I mean, we saw Randy Savage even, um, you know, not do badly, but definitely didn't wrestle his best match in the WrestleMania main event. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. Although, I think if Randy Savage, like Ric Flair, suffers from some insecurity, I think Ultimate Warrior will never have that problem in his whole yeah. life. So,
0: I don't even know if he knows how to or that he should. Like, I wonder when he gets out there, did he know what was coming? Like, did he, you know, I don't know, but WrestleMania six is special in some way. I don't know if I'll feel it or experience it or not, but... There are a lot of reasons it matters. It matters because it's the babyface, babyface match. It matters because Hulk Hogan is waning, as is WWF. And, man, from an adult perspective, the writing's on the wall for Hulk Hogan. Like, his time is up. And the more he says that it's not, but you're not seeing Ultimate Warrior in the ring. Unless Warrior's turning heel the next week after the Rumble, Hulk Hogan's time is up. And the fact that they're doing that at WrestleMania, and the guy who wins every WrestleMania is going to lose babyface versus babyface, and the guy is supposed to be replacing him, kind of for all times. Right? There's a lot going on there that is historical. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how how it you know, goes over for us, but we'll also try to understand the history of it.
1: We will do our best as always. Um, here's a weird thing. Maybe I just miss it, um, but I felt like Warrior's Illumination was very. It was another one where it's just like, oh, the warrior got out, I guess. Yes. So that was weird.
0: <laughs> this is why WWF was better at this time because, like I told you before, like nothing makes me hate a wrestler more than when they're getting the world title push in WWF. Mm-hmm. So, and if it was a later era, he would have knocked Hogan out and eliminated him probably with ease, and then he would have beat him at WrestleMania, and he would have beat him in all the promos and going into it because it's like, by God, we're on that train now, let's go, you know. And that doesn't make people like. Someone that makes them feel bitter because they probably were a fan of the guy who was carrying the belt for a long time, too. So I kind of liked it. Also, got to say, because here's what happens. Bar- <laughs> this Hulk Hogan is the greatest of all time when it comes to uh, narrative framing. I've said it with, like, his language. I've said it with pointing the finger at people. But he has raised the bar because... barbarian and rick rude are trying to eliminate the ultimate warrior hulk hogan is a 300 pounder who knows how much he weighs he knows the size of his arms and he runs and clotheslines barbarian and rick rude with enough strength just enough strength that the guy they're trying to throw out the ultimate warrior gets eliminated but neither barbarian or rick rude go over the top rope Give me a... That is Hulk Hogan all day long.
1: That's the mastery of Hulk Hogan. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and then what... Well, then, But here's the problem. Here's why Hulk Hogan put the Ultimate Warrior over and had no fear. Because this man, the Ultimate Warrior, who just experienced that, comes back in the ring and beats up Rick Rude and the Barbarian, leaves Hulk Hogan alone, and runs away.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, yep. That, that should tell you everything you need to know right there. Um... If Savage was paranoid about Hogan and he wasn't, but if he was, then again, uh, warrior has the opposite problem like he doesn't even know what's happening around him. So,
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. It's an amazing thing because what I, we, nobody knows because of, you know Hogan, Hogan tells tall tales. Like when he gave the belt to the warrior, is that his idea, the fans watch him go away, WWF claims it was booked and it wasn't the referee, but it's another picture. You got a man who does more thinking, more scheming, and more planning than anybody in the sport versus a man who has never done a bit of thinking in his life.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll say again, the more I see of Warrior, the more I think that narrative is irrelevant about Hogan. You know, whether they watched him walk away or not, it was coming back to him. But uh, it's still a very interesting little bit. Of Hulk Hogan that you have to
0: think about. Yeah, I've heard it said. That certain people who. Don't tell the truth very often. (laughs) They tell directional truths. They're not actual truths. But they're in the direction of the truth. And so what I would guess happened. Because Hogan's so astute. I would guess WWF. Had this thing booked. And Hogan did what was booked. But Hulk Hogan probably noticed. When he was going to the back, that a lot of fans were probably watching him and not watching the Ultimate Warrior. And then it became that he did the thing and he set it up on purpose. And he might even think it by the time he writes a book. But you know, I think it's a process of things happening. If I had to guess,
1: oh, that that's uh, very credible. I think um, you know the cause and the effect maybe uh, switched around in the story. But hey, you know, sometimes it's just perspective.
0: And the truth is the truth, though, because. I've said this. I've often said that I don't think Luger would have done much better than Sting or any better than Sting, partly because not what he does on screen but behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing I don't understand. How did you think that the ultimate warrior was going to have kind of the understanding and appreciation for the business to carry it on the level it needs to be carried at that time?
1: Yeah. 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 Um. But, also, like we talked about, if not him, then who you know, we talked about Dusty, and I think that's the best idea that I've heard, but it's it's hard to replace Hulk Hogan, you know, yeah. he'll never be a favorite of yours or mine, but just the level he was at is almost untouchable, so
0: but that might be where ego is a problem because
1: yeah.
0: I think a- a man a man thinking rationally knows Hulk Hogan's gonna go away, do a movie. But he's not gonna succeed any like he would have already <laughs> been in Hollywood if that was gonna happen. Right. So I think that you know he's gonna come back and yes you gotta move on some at some point, but you know you got that. But I think that's not only that they were replacing Hogan because they needed to because of him going away. I think a lot of it was also that I want Hogan to be go I want Hogan to go away just so I, Vince McMahon, can make it clear that I run this thing and I can, you know, make and break at any point. Mm. And I think that's why Warrior Warrior is such a, like, if we just push him hard enough, fast enough, big enough, he can fill up the room, you know, (laughs) but, yeah.
1: I mean, there will be a big conversation later, and I think we may even get to cover some of this if we uh, go to our intended destination. It'll be a question of, um, you know, between Vince and Hogan, uh, well, did it have to be Hogan, or, you know, could anyone – uh, or could another person have been slotted into that spot and made the company this successful. And, you know, I think you and I agree that Hogan was an absolutely essential part, but I, it's not hard for me to believe in the mind of Vince McMahon, especially years later that he could think, well, you know, it's not, it, it was me. It was not Hogan, yeah. you know, it was the thing that I made. So again, perspective is important. Yeah.
0: The mind of Vince McMahon is, is probably equally credible as the mind of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> So I'm sure he thought that, and that's part of what makes him. Like yeah. these guys are great in part because of these things, but you know, this also they're also kind of scary because of these things.
1: <laughs> wrestling so. is full of um, mentally unstable liars, so yeah, yeah, it's very hard to parse out anything when you really get down to it.
0: And... Pro wrestling at, at its best is a liar's game. You know, <laughs> yeah. they told us some great lies in the '80s. I miss those lies.
1: <laughs> Me too. Me too.
0: Okay, so I think we got the final. Is the final four? Or is it final five? I got Hogan, Hercules, uh, rude, and perfect.
1: Uh, my notes jumped to the final three, but I think that's okay. right. That's the last five.
0: So that's a shout out to our prof too, because that's a that's two times I think that Hercules could have been instrumental in a rumble, and it's like, no, nah, just kidding. He's just actually there to be a body.
1: <laughs> yeah, very close to the end again, but does not uh, really get to stand out too much, unfortunately.
0: Look at these guys though, perfect and rude. I don't know where the hell they came from, but man, they are just—they're just like bullying their way through the WWF right now.
1: They are, and um, I kind of appreciate the fact that they were so close in real life. I think grew up together, their dads knew each other, all this stuff. And just imagine getting to be in this position, and not just in this position, but like with your best friend Mm. also. Like that must have been a great feeling for a while there.
0: It's beautiful. And, they, you know, that will carry on. They'll have times that they interact and that their, their paths come back together, mm. you know, yep. throughout history. Uh, unfortunately, that friendship will be tested uh, at the late <laughs> portion of this Royal Rumble.
1: Indeed. Uh, the finishing sequence, um, essentially, Mr. Perfect accidentally drops Rick Rude out of the Rumble, pulling the rope down at the wrong time. Uh, which leaves us with Perfect and Hogan as our final participants in here.
0: Yeah, so one of those will win the Royal Rumble, folks. Uh.
1: (laughs) Imagine (laughs) which one. Uh, You know, like, this is a really good Royal Rumble, but I forgot there's a part at the end that really bugs me, and that, of course, is Hulk Hogan no-selling the Perfect Plex, and that is just such yeah. a big neon flashing sign that we now have 1990s Hulk Hogan instead of 1980s yeah. Hulk Hogan. Cause I don't think, you know, he still would have won in the eighties, but he wouldn't have treated it quite this way. I think.
0: And I think it hurts. Like, I think one of the biggest reasons why his like response is starting to become lower and less is because there's no vulnerability left. Like he, he doesn't need the fans to rally him because he's just going to win it anyway. <laughs>
1: I feel like at some point, the actual fans were replaced by the hypothetical Hulkamaniacs as mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan's source power. So that that's something to look at.
2: Yeah, and
0: you know that's got to hurt. <laughs> like if, if you're like a real Hulkamaniac and you get to the arena and realize I didn't have to travel and pay this money, like, I, I was not actually needed. You know that's <laughs> that's, that's that's not easy.
1: Well, you know, Hulk Hogan, he drowned them all in a natural disaster in New Jersey, so it's really not their fault, you know. He had to create, like, imaginary fans because all the real ones kept getting killed by disasters. They couldn't breathe when Andre choked them, so.
0: I think Hogan would like that because that would mean that Hogan never lost anything. It's just that, you know, the Hulkamaniacs, that were, they, it was actually a lesser quality of Hulkamaniac that changed history, not a lesser quality of Hulk Hogan. <laughs>
1: Oh, God, there's, there may be something to that. i have to think about that.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing I wonder about, because mm. this was a fascinating show with a great crowd as the coming out of the Royal Rumble. But I think Holt, we're straining to have Hulk Hogan with almost zero feud, zero tension, zero vulnerability. And he's going to win the Royal Rumble again next year. So I'm interested to see what that looks like, because like there is there's some watering down that is happening in in in, in the booking and the storytelling and the responses right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'll say uh I don't remember the 91 Rumble as fondly as this one, although mm. uh, I think there'll still be a lot of good things to see. So, so we'll see that's the bridge between the Rumble solidifying here into something great and then of course the greatest Rumble of
0: 1992. Man, it's yeah. hard to believe that we're we're getting that close to <laughs> uh, Undertaker's on the way, Ric Flair's on the way, another version of Randy Savage is on the way. Uh, Warrior's gonna come and go. Sid Justice is gonna be there. Weirdly, like just taking each other's place. So, this is you know, I think we're gonna get more and more away from what came before us, and more and more into what is coming next
1: absolutely yeah we're entering that era territories are dead they're all dead Mm. so uh you you can't pick and choose people who are already pre-made anymore we're gonna see some different things happening as we go along
0: yeah i think across the way lex luger is filling in for sting until he can get healthy so he's got to wrestle flair a couple more times they got to come up with more interesting ways for him not to win they got to put a cage the cage has got to be lifted to the ceiling because you know (laughs) the horseman had the control
1: so or something oh man yeah, thing very close i think to uh ripping the shit out of his leg um and that will set off a, a chain of events which will greatly impact 1990 and beyond so whew, all right so that is the royal rumble 1990 uh, really just a few days later in real time they will air saturday night's main event Um, Mm -hmm. We will see Randy Savage on that show. Hulk Hogan will team up with the Ultimate Warrior against Uh Mr. Perfect and the Genius. We will see uh, Jake Roberts fighting Greg Valentine. We will see a match Mm -hmm. we were just talking about, Dusty Rhodes versus Rick Rude. So we will get some sign of what that might have been like. Uh, Dino Bravo versus Ronnie Garvin. There will be some interesting stuff on this show for sure.
0: I've uh, missed uh, our nice main event
1: agreed yeah man i'll be sad when they stop i think in 92 they stop so that'll be the end of an era because these shows are very fun
0: yeah i know when i go to wwe network i always see a picture of flair and hennig in the back and i think it might be the one the last if not the last like video from that era
1: sounds about right yeah time wise so man that'll be something
0: yeah, I will just say, I got a text from Benjamin Button the other day, and I, I think he said that they were considering maybe in 88 having Greg Valentine join the four horsemen. And if that is the case, can you imagine Greg Valentine and Arn Anderson in a horseman together?
1: Man, that, that's a beautiful thought. Benjamin Button uh, recently is fragments of flair series in the www, uh, www.lopforums.com um, revealed. that, Great history between Ric Flair and Greg Valentine. Mm. Um, I have watched uh, some amazing Greg Valentine Tito Santana matches as well from the '80s, which are just like top top shelf. Man, Valentine and the Horseman, That definitely feels like something that could have happened. I would have been there for that.
0: Luger and Sting would stood no chance. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think anybody's taking that belt off. You're gonna have to get some rugged person because aren't just just two enforcers of the of the shape and, and kind and likeness and mentality and temperament of Valentine and Arn Anderson and I would just say, you know what, keep the belt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can have it.
1: That's frightening. Yeah, that's a frightening thought. I'm thinking around nineteen ninety, I think that's the time that uh the horsemen were also teaming up with what, like Buzz Sawyer and like there was mm. a whole other group and um so yeah, man, like some scary people around this time, uh wherever you want to look. <laughs>
0: I think I started that Ronnie Garvin Valentine match made me miss the NWA WCW side a little bit.
1: Oh, sure, greatly so. It was definitely in that style, made me think of that kind of stuff, and I love that kind of stuff, so I'm right there with you.
0: So to me, we kicked off 1990 in a big way. Like, no matter what you want to break down, if I have a pay-per-view to kick off 90 and I have fan response like that, I am very happy with where I, where I am at that moment.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the fans, then how can you not be happy about what you saw? Um, I wonder how it did outside the building in terms of, like, buy yeah. rate and such. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that uh, progresses along. But, um yeah, I think that's all we got. So we will have Saturday Night's Main Event. We'll have some bonus material as well. We'll figure out what that's going to be and post it around. Anything else about this show you want to talk about, my friend?
0: No, I man, I'm curious about a lot of what you just said about Saturday Night's Main Event. Looking forward to getting back into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely so. All right. Thank you for listening. I am on Twitter. If you want to shout us out, I am at SpectralGent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Let me know what you think about the show. Let me know if you love Ultimate Warrior vs. Hulk Hogan, and why? Because I'm going to need those clues as we go forward. Also, uh, check out all the great material on WrestlingHeadlines.com and www.lopforums.com. So much great conversation going on there. Also, all the great programs on LOP Radio. Check them out. Great stuff. I love to hear it. So, that is all we've got for this week. We'll be back with Saturday Night's Main Event. Until then, Mystic, take us home.
0: Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite.
2: I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Stripes and salted tears. I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. The Undiscovered Creature The Undiscovered Creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya he's the one that's scared it's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya he's the one that's scared discover